Hello and welcome to Devour the Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode 125 of Devour the Podcast. That sounds like a number that should be important, and yet somehow isn't. Uh, it's, I don't know, a fourth of the way to the uh, 500, and I think at 500, everyone gets a, a, a koozie. So that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, really? It's a toaster. I, it's a, it's a, <laughs> a, a toaster koozie. I'll tell you what, it feels like a number we should have gotten to before six years. 125? That's like, uh, I don't want to do the math now because I suck at it. Um, That was never my strong subject. Uh, Mine was mostly uh, (laughs) writing bullshit English essays, which probably just makes me suitable for psychopathy, really, as a profession. Uh, Hey, everyone. I'm Bo. Uh, With me, as always is uh jamie j salmons what up i am locked and loaded and ready to go i bathed myself in the 90s for this one is that just a bathtub full of nirvana's never mind no i would never have a bathtub full of nirvana's never mind oh bite your tongue that's a great record (laughs) it's uh you know cherub pictures which were really like Okay, the one of the movies we're going to talk about, and I'm not going to spoil which one, but one of the movies I'm going to talk about reminds me of that time when everything was like gold and cherubs and candles and... Jamie, I was going to bring that up later. Oh, so you know exactly what I mean, right? Like, Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the character in the movie unto itself. <laughs> I don't even know what you guys are talking about right now. This is great. Maybe that's a girl thing. I don't know, but it, it, that, Maybe. Was my, that was my life back then. <laughs> or it was, I was surrounded by it, you know? Cherubs were your life? Well, it's, you, don't, you don't remember when everyone had cherub pictures everywhere and there were like little cherub statues and candles and gilded frames and i totally remember i did not have that but i had friends who did yeah i the um, i know that era well yes when i was a nanny the house that i worked in that was that house everywhere so yeah yeah. i had no idea that totally missed me i didn't know that was a thing (laughs) well i'm so glad vanessa gets me yeah See, that's the advantage of having another female on here now. Right. It would just be me and David saying, uh-huh. that's stupid. Shut up, Jamie. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, <laughs> JJ? That's about right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
The the other uh, lady voice that you hear on this program, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is one Vanessa McHenry, uh, cherub expert. Oh no, not expert. <laughs> cherub enthusiast. Expert. I don't. Uh, yeah. Bad fashion expert. Your uh, your wine necklace for this one, or your choker? The choker. Oh my god. <laughs> you want to know how many chokers I owned? <laughs> <laughs> That I still own. <laughs> oh yeah. Boy, yeah. This really is gonna uh unpack a layer of analysis that has not appeared before on this program. Um which I'm looking forward to because I even I, now that I'm on board, <laughs> uh, now that I caught up to the rest of the class, th- <laughs> there is some fashion that happens in uh Overalls. <laughs> Boy. You just you just couldn't hold something up without him, apparently. It's with over the knee socks. Yes. It's pretty great. At one point she's walking down the hall and I said, What in the fuck is she wearing? Oh god. <laughs> and Brian goes, I love those stockings and I was and I was like over the knee socks, but not with that. I don't I Exactly. Exactly. Did 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> All right. We'll... Anybody out there who feels us, like after you listen to the show, give me a hashtag Gilded Cherubs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Calm down, everybody. Calm down. <laughs> I'm just so excited. Uh, I understand. I myself. Uh, would be tempted to lose control and possibly enjoy it. But <laughs> now is not the time. Um, no, uh, now is the time when we uh, kick it around the table here and uh, just talk about what we've been watching. And uh, Vanessa, what have you been watching lately that's worth a mention? Um, probably like everyone else, I went and saw A Quiet Place in the theater. I enjoyed it, but I was one of those people that was like, it's a little overhyped, um, but it's pretty good. You know, definitely worth paying an, a price of admission in a theater to see, you know, and, and I had a particularly good theater experience where everybody acted like adults and was actually quiet, <laughs> no cell phones or anything like that. So, yeah, you know. I, I, I'm waiting for the headline uh, somewhere that's like. A quiet place turns theaters into quiet places. Something like that, you know? It was amazing. It was amazing. You could have heard a pin drop. Like, people stopped, like, chewing their popcorn loudly. It was really, everybody was very quiet. It was very strange. I think they should just... I was very self-conscious about my popcorn. You know, like, when when we were watching that movie, I I would... have like popcorn when something was happening and then mm-hmm. everything would get quiet and I'd stop chewing. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, very aware of every sound that I was making. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I thought that's one thing that that film did really well, really, really well. And I actually, I enjoyed that about the movie. I have to say, um, cause everything is usually, you know, the volume is turned up to 11 usually. In you know horror movies, either an action type sequence or whatever music has the swell is so overwhelming and extra melodramatic, 
usually you horror, you know, someone screaming. It's so much louder. Yeah, yeah. You uh, know. Th- those music stings when a cat jumps out of a closet and shit. And right. Like, as someone who has a, you know, a, a home theater even. There are moments when I'm watching a horror movie, I'm like, I turn it up a little bit, mm-hmm. and then like somebody will come around the corner, yeah, like in <laughs> Yon DeBont's haunting, right. and scare Owen Wilson, and the music goes bam, and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> man, I just woke up my neighbors. <laughs> right. Uh, anything? I, I I haven't seen Quiet Place yet. I'm one of the people who hasn't. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. I think you would be right out there. I have just been uh, busy enough that I haven't been to the theater, and um, I, and it, it's catching up to me. Like, there's about five movies playing right now I want to see, and I, I I ain't got the time, y'all. I need I need the I'm I need those movies to come to me. I need all that stuff to be available streaming day one, even if I got to pay like fifteen bucks for it or something. Uh, right. I, I would I would really love that option. But anyway, yeah, I'm, you know, I'll catch up. Uh, I, I may try to hit Quiet Place tomorrow, as a matter of fact. If things were streaming day one, but you, you know, you still, but you paid like a premium for them, could I still get a matinee price if I watched it really early in the morning? Nope. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. so yeah. I'm not doing it. We're, we're- <laughs> Take my ass to the theater. I love going to the movies, so I would much rather just- watch things at the theater anyway. Well, I do too. I mean, I and I have the movie pass, so although I haven't been using it a lot over the past uh, month, just because vacation and whatever timing with work. I was gonna say when you said it was worth paying the price of admission, I was gonna say, don't you have movie pass? <laughs> well, no, I'm sa- you are still that would make paying Winchester. You are still worth paying the price of admission. <laughs> I yeah I know what you're saying Jamie but this one I actually did pay for. <laughs> oh wow! With my regal points, thank you very much. <laughs> I I accidentally showed the regal app on my uh, phone to a cop uh, about a week ago. I I thought I, I'd open my insurance app, you know, and I, yeah. instead I'm like, hey, look, I've got four thousand regal points. Impressive, right? Should probably let me go with a warning then. <laughs> Clearly, I'm a man who cares cares about a deal. <laughs> right, maybe so. Who? Hey, who wants that rampage mini poster? Huh? Huh? <laughs> hey, deals are deals. Yeah, 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 yeah. I work, I work hard for my money, and you know, unfortunately, I mean, I live. I love where I live, but it is not cheap to live here. So I'll cut what corners I can. <laughs> oh, sure. I get that. I'm not yeah. above but it. Don't get me wrong. When I say a quiet place, it's something I pay you know, the, worth the price of admission. It's like, no, go to the theater. Because they, they do record the number of tickets, like even going, you know, sold for those movies when you're using Movie Pass. It's still, they're getting a kickback somehow. Okay, that's good. Yeah. I wondered about that. But just, they need to get the money. It's, I mean, when someone produces a good piece of work, I, you know, in my opinion, you know, I'd want to see that person get the financial support so they can do more. 
Well, that's exactly how I am. That's why when something is good, I keep track on on um, Box Office Mojo. And if something exactly. if I if it's something I really like, I constantly watch it. And you'll see, like on Facebook, I'll post periodically mm-hmm. the Box Office Mojo numbers. I'm just like, here we go. Let's keep it going. Let's keep that's- you know keep feeding this monster because this is one that deserves it. That's how I was about Get Out last year. Yes. I immediately, I saw it for a free screening and was, as soon as it came out in theater, I paid a ticket then to see it. And I got all these other people to go. And then kept talking it up. And then, you know, I kept watching it and watching it because I'm like, no, this is, this was amazing. And someone who clearly has a talent, no, they should be doing more work. Rather than getting things like Winchester, you know, <laughs> put out there. Well, um, hey, but, hey, you can you can sit down I now, mean, feed up. It's <laughs> it worked. Get out, made all the money. It, yeah, it exactly. It exactly. And a quiet place is killing it. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I, I will happily take credit for some of that. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as far as giving them my money, I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm not taking credit for the film. I'm taking credit for <laughs> supporting you. <laughs> um, what about you, Jamie? What have you been watching? Watched Winchester. It sounds like you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, not really. I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, you know, it, it, oh, man, excellent, excellent location. Beautiful place i mean amazing cast and totally totally wasted the opportunity to tell a really good story i think they just kind of fucked it up didn't know what they wanted didn't know what they were doing didn't care what they were doing i don't know what it is these are the same guys who gave us undead which i absolutely love they gave us jigsaw but um they didn't write that you know they just um (laughs) they're still responsible and (laughs) Uh, there was something, oh, um, uh, day, Daybreakers also, uh, which I thought was okay. We actually picked that up. Yeah. I haven't seen it since it came out, but I remember thinking it was pretty good. So I remember I had, that being a real snore. I th- well, I remember thinking that there were things that could be improved, but I definitely didn't hate it. And I, I mean, they came out the same way. Yeah. So they came out of the gate with Undead, which I was crazy about. And I'm like, all right, these guys, they have a future. And then I don't know what they're doing with that future. But this is a thing that they're doing. And I don't like it. Um, It's even it's got the Angus guy from the Insidious films. He also did 100 Bloody Acres, uh, the Australian actor guy, the big one. Yeah. Okay. I like him. You know, and he was good in this uh, for what he had to do. It's not his fault. It's not Helen Mirren's fault. It's not, you know, it's the actors are solid. It's just yep. that story was not good. So that was depressing. I wasn't really expecting much, though. And all of the reviews that I'd seen were not good. So I, it's not like I was surprised by that. I just. And I told well, you so. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You warned me. So uh, other than that, we've been watching a lot of Hitchcock. We're into our Hitchcock box set for... Um, Which makes me so happy. Yeah, well, that makes me happy. <laughs> I mean, that's good stuff. So uh, one thing I noticed is uh, we just recently uh, rewatched Vertigo. And it made me realize, and I posted this on Podcast Under the Stairs, how much I 
undersold the connection between vertigo and body double when we talked about body double. Now, vertigo was obviously mentioned, but what I should have said when we talked about body double was it is the exact same fucking movie because I had forgotten (laughs) exactly how much it is pretty much exactly the same movie. You know, obviously some differences. I mean, he depalmed body double and I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. So, but yeah, the, uh, the Hitchcock box set is kind of refreshing um, after some of the stuff we've been watching lately. So it's, it's nice to see a director who will take their time allow just let you lang like um languidly shoot a scene let you just see the whole thing and oh my god the colors are so vivid when he shoots in color it's it's uh, just gorgeous so that has been enjoyable if you ever get to see any of his things on the big screen do it just doesn't matter what film it is just do it I would love to. One of those directors that, and I, and I've been able to see a few things like, and I grew up watching tons of Hitchcock because of my mom. And I have in the past few years seen a couple things on the big screen. Like I saw rope on the big screen. I always, always love that movie, but to see it on the big screen, there's just something about the entirety of like the screen ratio and everything. Mm -hmm. And Oh my, it's everything, every camera shot is magnificent. The Bernard Herman or whatever score of, you know, that specific movie might be playing is fantastic. Just the cast, the, I mean, the costumes, just, there's so many different things there. And then these, the stories, you know, are, are just so much more interesting. And it's just the big screen. Yeah. A story, stories that impressive, you know, need to be in a theater, which is how I feel. Oh, about- I agree. If I ever got the opportunity, I would. Yeah, which is how I feel about Kubrick. And I just got to see um, Clockwork Orange on the big screen last week. Ooh, that's uh, fun. Nice. Oh, it was my second time seeing it on the big screen. And it's just, uh it's an overwhelming film, even seeing it on a regular television, you know, for the content and all these, obviously, you know, Kubrick's visuals, but uh, third, yeah, there's something about that theatrical experience that that's why I, I'm so big on directors and writers now who have talent getting to make more movies that can be in theaters. Absolutely. And, you know, I recently posted somewhere. I don't know. I, I went on a rant. I do that occasionally. I'll about <laughs> once a week, something will get under my skin and I'll just rant about it. And, um, one of the things I ranted about recently was I was listening to a radio show and it's not like one of our podcasts. It's not a Legion person or anything like that. It's an actual radio show. And, but they talk about horror and they were talking about how horror fans, all we do. And we've all heard this, like and all of us have heard this at some point, how all horror fans do are complain that they want original things. They want new things. And then when, New original things come out. We don't support them. And I'm like, who the fuck are you talking to? Because you're not talking to me. When something original comes or any of the other like hundreds of us that I know personally who immediately went out to support Get Out. I mean, and it made like 500 gazillion dollars, you know, or A Quiet Place or, 
name any big movie from the last few years that was completely original that we all threw our backs into and you know we're practically dragging people off the streets to go see it and i mean hell last year even happy death day brought in a shit ton of money and i was very pleased about that because i love that movie so oh, that was fun we are supporting this stuff we and i hear us i listen to all of our podcasts i hear us supporting this stuff who are they complaining about i don't know because i don't know these people all the horror fans i know love this shit and we support it. Now there are people who you have the detractors who are just like, Oh, that's the worst movie I've ever seen, you know, talking about, you know, the Babadook or it follows and, and which is obviously completely hyperbolic because if that is it, and now you don't, I'm not saying that you can, you can't dislike a film. What I'm saying is if you are going to look me in the eye and tell me that the Babadook is absolutely the worst film you've ever seen, you clearly need to watch more films. Because there is a lot of shit out there that is, I mean, just technically doesn't even come close. So whether or not you enjoy it is one thing, but it is not the worst movie you've ever seen. Come on. If it is, then then get out there because, whoa. I mean, Dollman versus (laughs) Watch a shittier movie. Yes. (laughs) Well, yeah. Sure. Potentially expand your horizons. That's all it is. But anyway, so I was just like, you know, we are out there. We're supporting these films. We are happy about these films. We're praising them. We're loving them. We're buying them. We're getting other people to watch them. I don't know what more. And my basic question was, what more do you want from us? What more can we do? Right. I don't have an answer. I don't think we can. I don't think. I mean, you know, we, there's, I can't think of anything else I could do. Uh, well, we'll uh, stalk. Uh, each and every person who has ever gone to a message board <laughs> and said, "We're gonna get right on that." The, the Babadook is the worst movie ever made. I mean, I just when people make comments like that, I just can't take it seriously because there's a big difference between. I, mean, I didn't really care for it. It's not the film for me, which you know, totally valid. Whatever. Versus, that's the worst movie ever made. I mean, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah well, but <laughs> but my reaction to it is just what you said. If somebody says, like, you know, the Vivich is the worst <laughs> movie they ever saw, I'm like, well, then I don't have to listen to what you say anymore. That's real That's convenient for me because I didn't want to to begin with. <laughs> and now you've given me the green light to ignore you like I wanted to in the first place. <laughs> it's a little life lesson. From your old pal, Bo. Um, <laughs> so, uh, did you want to talk about any other movies there, no, Jamie? No, no, no. All right. Um, I, all right, so I want to mention this movie just because it came up on uh, uh, one of the Morbid Mondays a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Vanessa was a fan of it as well. But uh, <laughs> it's the movie Dead Again. And I like I left uh, we we it came up on the Morbid Monday. We chatted about it a little bit and, and I thought about how good that movie is. Is that Goldie Hawn? No. Goldie Hawn. What was the Goldie Hawn movie? Oh, Overboard. Overboard. <laughs> With Kurt Russell. Like, oh, my God, that movie. And Catherine Hellman. Uh... Yeah. Where, where <laughs> Kurt Russell kidnaps a woman. Kidnaps, yeah. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> slaves. I know I've seen it. I know I've seen it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, the one moment of truth in that movie is when she says, you made me a wife and mother. Why did you do that? And and at that point, the police should have been called. But uh, Exactly. It's... But yes, no, that again is Kenneth Branagh <laughs> and Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, Robin Williams. Right. Uh, Derek Jacoby, Jacoby uh, who's the best in that movie. He is so fucking good in that film. Um, yeah, I, I, I hadn't watched it in many years at that point. And, uh, that movie is tremendously entertaining still. It's not it, by no means perfect. Kenneth Branagh's accent is, uh, I mean, dodgy at best. Yeah. But, uh, Robin Williams is really good in it. Emma Thompson is really good in it. Like I said, Derek Jacoby is, is fantastic in it. I think even knowing the big secret of the movie, sort of the twist of it, I, it still plays well, you know. It's kind of a, it's just smart enough to be entertaining, and, but it's not highfalutin about it. It, it, you know, it's definitely a bit Hitchcockian, and there's some noir in there and stuff like that. And the the supernatural elements are really sort of there just as a plot device more than anything. It's not a legit horror film or nothing, but um, I love that movie to this day. Wasn't I that think. directed by Kenneth Branagh. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, tend, I think so. I tend to enjoy his direction. Tend to. I, I'm sure um, there's an example of me not, but I, for the most part, anything I no, can think of, I enjoyed it. He's a pretty solid director. I think his Henry V is amazing. Yeah. I love I, that in particular, I think, is outstanding. Um, and his Hamlet's quite good as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, But yeah, so I did a little bit of a throwback, and I think Robin Williams being... Uh, the crazy former psychiatrist who got bounced for, you know, fooling around with his patients. And I like, I like how angry he is at the agent who busted him that went undercover. That feels, I like, I, it's a real piggish philosophy he espouses, but it also feels right for the character. I'm like, yeah, he really is just kind of a shitty guy. Um, at any rate, I, I adored it. Well, let us then turn our attention uh, to Jamie J. Sammons uh, with all the horror news fit to, I don't know, repeat later on the podcast. (laughs) It's going to be the new slogan. That is catchy as fuck. Wow. Yeah. People are really going to like it. I have a feeling. Yeah. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah, it's it's right up there with the uh, a haunting in Connecticut to Ghosts of Georgia. Ghosts of Georgia. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Be quiet a second, will you? It's eight o'clock in Los Angeles. It's nine o'clock in Denver. It's ten o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's six forty-two. Time for the eleven o'clock report. Here's Johnny. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Game over, man. Game over. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Okay, well, welcome to the news. Uh, Starting out, uh, Dread Central presents its first original title, The Golem. That is a uh, a big clay monster. Yeah, typically, yeah. yeah. Um, 
They couldn't be more excited to bring you this news. As you know, they've been acquiring and releasing movies under the Dread Central Presents label for several months now and have loads more titles under their belts. So some announced and some yet to be revealed. However, today, Deadline has revealed the first original production in the in the Dread Central Presents library to be The Golem. Written by Ariel Cohen, The Golem is directed by the Paz brothers, Yoav and Doron, who directed the 2015 epic pictures found footage hit Jerusalem, which I have seen around on Netflix quite a bit, and I have never watched it. Oh, I watched it. Was it good? No. Oh. <laughs> no, well, it's real bad. I am extra I excited to watch it anyway. Because yeah, I, it sounded like it could be a potential bad that I could enjoy. Uh, yeah, it it gets it gets pretty silly at the end in a fun way. Mm-hmm. But it also just takes itself so seriously yeah. and 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 for being pretty much a run of the mill found footage movie, like what it's doing as above so below did 20 times better. Yeah. And and the monsters look kind of shitty. Okay. So is it the the a similar premise to As Above So Below? Uh, kind of, sort of. I mean, it's like, okay. oh, the apocalypse comes when these tourists are mm-hmm. in uh, Jerusalem. And I really liked As Above, So Below, but I don't know. If, if you enjoyed that, I would you like won't enjoy this. Less. Yeah. <laughs> That's the tagline. <laughs> um, if you like good movies, don't watch this one. <laughs> right. If you're looking for the best horror film this year, look elsewhere. <laughs> The new. <laughs> we should invite people to do taglines for bad movies. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, let me new... tell you a movie about a movie called The Elf. <laughs> I watched recently. I've seen a review for that on YouTube. What was the review? Hey, The Elf is awful. Yeah. End of review. Actually, um. Bed, bed, not bed knobs and broomsticks. Booms, blood, blood. What the fuck is the name of that YouTube channel? It's like bed. Oh, bloodbath and beyond. Um, oh, okay. Bloodbath and beyond did it, and they are very generous. They like some real crap sometimes. They are just very forgiving, and they they like you know they just have fun with their movies. So they can usually pull something good out of just about everything. Not that one. No, I mean they were just like, "Don't watch this movie." So I, I, I will, I will say this: Jerusalem was better than the Elf. <laughs> okay, well that's something to shoot for. But well, but it, it's not as big a difference in quality as you would like. Oh, well, having seen clips from the Elf, that does not get me excited. Well, the new film, which was shot secretly in Ukraine near Kiev last year and will be released in February of 2019, follows a woman, a woman's tight-knit Jewish community that is besieged by foreign invaders. Turning to Jewish mysticism, she conjures a dangerous creature to protect her and her people. However, her creation may be more evil than she ever imagined. So there's that. Yeah. So basically, I'm assuming she conjures a golem. One would think, given the title. Right. Yeah, like why you're playing so fucking coy with your description. 
The Golem. That's <laughs> like a movie called Zombies Rise. And it'll be like, you know, this may or may not be about the undead. Right. When tragedy <laughs> strikes, a family must band together against a mysterious army. Uh, this person says, huh. Uh, at the end of at the end of last year, they were in Israel for the 2017 Utopia Festival and had the opportunity to meet with the Paz brothers and see unfinished footage of the film. They don't like to get too hyped for a movie prior to seeing it in theaters, but gotta tell you that this is something they're really excited for the world to see, both on personal level and as a fan of original horror. I don't know how original that is. The goal, right, one of the first, of the horror, first movies horror movies ever, ever made. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, that is like the antithesis of originality. But, but still, I mean, honestly, it's not like there are a lot of Gollum movies running around. No, it's true. I would say it's a rare. And that's the only that's the only reason I pulled this because I'm like, well, okay, maybe there's a small possibility it be, could could be interesting just because it's only we haven't seen that many of those. It's not. A, you know, a genre that's inundated like, you know, some others. But I totally sure, agree with you. I do. Sure, I'm it's just still not going to be great. Piss, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, in, in the spirit of an, a film we're going to talk about tonight, sometimes originality uh, goes a long way. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I agree with you. There are very few. It's I. It's kind of like... I get excited when I see films about Wendigo. There aren't a lot of them. In recent years, thanks mostly to Larry Fessenden, there have been more, um, because that's like his favorite thing ever. Um, But, you know, it's something that you don't see a whole lot of. So I always get excited about stuff like that. You know, when The Possession came out, I was excited that they were doing a a Dybbuk box, because Mm -hmm. when do you ever see movies about that, you know? Yeah, that's exactly how I felt about that, too. Right. I, I get you. And and you know what? It could be good. You know, just because they made a film that wasn't good doesn't mean they can't make one. It is good. We've but seen the ex- opposite. But I don't expect this to be a masterpiece, either. <laughs> you know? Well, we'll have to wait and see. I just I go in kind of like, okay, sure. We'll see yeah. what happens. But at this point, Platinum Dunes made... A quiet place. I mean, up is down, black is white. Right. Nothing makes sense anymore. Yeah. Like the, the golem could come out and and that's just a valid point. Cats and dogs are living together. Mass hysteria. Hysteria. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, then we'll see what happens. I'll keep my eye on it. That's for sure because it is definitely something you don't see a lot of. Um. Well, moving on. Um. We're gonna talk about some. Well. The would-have-been-post-apocalyptic plans for Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 4. And although expected, it was a hugely disappoint. It was hugely disappointing to learn that stars canceled Ash vs. Evil Dead. And I'm, I really don't think anyone was surprised by that. We've been hearing rumblings about that for a while. Like I, It didn't shock me when it was uh, just because it's been coming. But uh, even so, Sam, Sam Raimi... Rob Tappert and and Bruce Campbell had been develop, developing a fourth season up until the official cancellation. From what uh, Bloody Disgusting was told, Ash vs. Evil Dead had been blessed with a fourth. Had it been blessed with a fourth season, it would have taken Ashy Slashy to the future. Think sci-fi post-apocalyptic 
like Mad Max meets Fallout, only with robots. I saw Bruce Campbell in a post-apocalyptic film once called uh, Alien Apocalypse. That's on the table. That, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been an interesting and exciting evolution of the series, I guess. I don't know if it's something I would have been... I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, in... Yeah, Army of Darkness. Thank you. Yeah. In Army of Darkness, we went backwards, and and I like that. So maybe if we went forward, I'd be okay with it. Well, there is a forward yeah. in the alternate ending. Oh yeah, yeah. Where, where he takes too many drops, like there. Remember, just take two drops and put it on your tongue. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. And then takes too many. <laughs> uh. Um, interestingly, this would have been the full leap into the much-desired Evil Dead 4, which was teased at the ending of Raimi's initial cut of Army of Darkness. If you recall, Ash pulls a Rip Van Winkle and awakens 100 years to the future, um, which you were just talking about, basically. Unfortunately, this ending was changed, but remains available in various alternate editions of Army of Darkness. This could have been the fourth season of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Okay, so basically that would... That very thing would have been, I guess, the jumping off point. Well, we don't have any insider info as is this writing. Ash vs. Evil Dead performance extraordin- performed extraordinarily well for Netflix, and we're hoping that Raimi, Tappert, and Campbell are able to find a streaming service willing to help them realize this wild and unique new direction for Ash. And, of course, I guess since uh, we kind of know that I guess that probably won't since Bruce said he is retiring as Ash. Yeah, after I, I think this was the story that he was responding to. Yeah, where he said right, tweeted. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he said he's retiring the character, and you know, I'm at this point, like, yeah, okay, you you got three movies and three seasons of a television show, which were really good, and all right, I mean, that's a way better run than most characters have, and and it was always legitimately good. So, uh, that, I mean, I, I don't know that there's a, a, a record in horror that can stand against it in terms of a franchise, uh, being consistently quality. No, especially with a TV crossover, uh, thrown in the mix, which is a very different beast. So, right. Ain't nobody quoting Freddy's nightmares when they're talking about (laughs) nightmare on Elm street. (laughs) Well, they should. Or Friday the 13th, the series. I, you know. I love that series. Thank you very much. It has you just dick like to, Roby. It has dick to do with the Well, I do. She had some big hair. It was awesome. That <laughs> series has, I mean, flaming red and six feet wide. That, that mane was incredible. Uh, of course, that series had dick to do with the movies anyway. So, yes, as a movie to TV jump, that was a fail <laughs> because it, it was not the same. I don't think, I mean, there are things about the Scream series that I thought were interesting, but, you know, eh, overall. Um, Yeah, I mean, this was rather impressive that he was able to basically resurrect this character after so long and just jump right in. And it was like he never missed a beat. I loved the series. I thought it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. And I'm, but, you know, I'm okay with it being over. Like I'm not freaking out about it. 
And I, I think one of the questions that someone asked us is what we would like to see Bruce Campbell do next. And I, I don't know. I mean, I can't. All right. really well, we'll get to anything. it. We'll do, we'll, we'll do questions in a minute. That, 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 Just that, calm that. down, Jamie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was trying for a natural flow. Respect the format. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pretty sure we did the last show, but whatever. Um, okay. Well, then we will move on to uh, this one is about Stranger Things. Third season of Stranger Things is coming up, and we have found out that they've added Carrie Always and Jake Busey. So when I first heard that, when I first heard that news, I I heard Jake Busey, but I pictured Gary Busey, and I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be great! <laughs> like, uh-huh. it'd be amazing." <laughs> Come on over here, thirteen. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I love Gary Busey like crazy, and that would have just made my it would made it it would have made it perfect for me. But oh my god, <laughs> um, yes. Jake's got the same teeth, so I guess it's okay. It might um, work. It might work. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have the crazy. No, not, not yet. Let him grow into it. Crazy. He has. He's growing more crazy though as he's getting older. Yeah, yeah. He's got okay, to give good. him time. Let him stretch his legs. <laughs> Yeah, give him time. <laughs> There's inherited and, crazy. <laughs> also, you think, it's nature versus nurture, or nature and nurture in his case. Yeah. Right. He's just like, I couldn't help it. I had to buy a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> he might be riding with a helmet. However, he's not yeah. playing with a full deck. <laughs> sure. I'm doing lots of stunts these days. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, of course, everyone knows Carrie always uh, from Saw. If you're a horror fan, from Princess Bride. If you're awesome, and, or, or yeah, or human, <laughs> and pretty much anything else. I or well, also horror. He did Bram Stoker's Dracula. I had a huge thing for Carrie. Oh, and um, The Crush, which is one of my favorite obsession films. <laughs> what going to nineties? Uh, yes, erotic thriller movies. The crush. What is this show becoming? It's going to be poison <laughs> ivy and yes. Please, can we just do nothing but that? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my! We're god. changing the format. It's an uprising. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the uh, the erotic thriller revolt of 2018. Who's going to get more Drew Barrymore than he can handle? Oh yeah, Drew Barrymore and Alyssa Milano and all the other. <laughs> 90s chicks. Jamie Priestley. Oh, we can throw fear in there. I love that one too. Oh, yeah, the Renee Zellweger. Like, uh, early stuff. Then Cruel Intentions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I've seen, I think, two of those. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, you've seen more. No, no, no. I've seen Cruel Intentions and I saw. Uh, I don't think I ever saw Poison Ivy. Oh my god! Uh, right? No, I never saw Fear. Oh, we've well, got to. That's one of Mark Wahlberg's best performances ever. Seriously. Well, well, I'm, you know, list. we're talking about work. We're we're talking about Mark Wahlberg. Bar Mark Yo, I'm scary in this one, bro. Um, Alyssa I, Milano's in that one too. Yes, she is. And uh, right. William well, Peterson. Um, 
Anyway. Uh, well, uh, now I'm more on board. I, okay. like <laughs> I knew I'd get you somehow. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah. yeah. And, uh, la, 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 la. Oh, and uh, of course, Jake Busey, uh, which we already mentioned. <laughs> Uh, so we're adding the two of them. And then the other thing I know about this show or the upcoming season is that apparently Will is not going to be the main target. Um, which basically means that little actor is going to get to do something other than being like a coma state for once, which is not right. Um, Mary, I'm just kidding. Um, Maya Thurman Hawk, the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk. Yeah. Spoiler, if you couldn't tell by her name, uh, will play an alternative girl bored with her mundane day job. She seeks excitement in her life and gets more than she bargains for when she uncovers a dark secret in Hawkins, Indiana. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Um, I I still never finished the second season. You didn't? Did you not like it? I I didn't dislike it. I just didn't care. Uh, which no. is maybe worse. Um, I can yeah. That. I I I wasn't crazy about the first season. I was pretty lukewarm on it, and I got two three episodes into the second season, and I just it always felt like a chore to watch instead of something I wanted to do. Yeah, I understand. Funnily, I liked the first season. I liked it fine. I wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't one of those shows that I was like, I've got to get to the next one. I've got to get to the next one on, you know, but I did enjoy watching it when it came time to watch the second season. I kept putting it off, kept putting it off. And Brian was like, why, why aren't you into watching the second season? Like he was really wanting to watch it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get around, you know, we'll, we will. And we did pretty quickly. I just wasn't like champing at the bit to see it. Like I wasn't dying to see it, but when we did watch it, I ended up liking it more than the first season. So I was actually very happy that I watched it when I did, but for some reason I was very reluctant to do it. You know, I I don't know. So I am interested in the cast that, that is joining the third season. And uh, I will watch it when it comes out. I'm looking forward to it, but it's just not, I'm not one of those people that's like counting down the days till it comes, you know? Yeah. I, I think the the selling point for me, like what would bring me back to the show is if they were like, Oh, Jake, Jake Busey is the villain and he can only communicate in the braise of a donkey. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, that would just be an amazing show, regardless. <laughs> right? Yeah, what you kind the of show was about. <laughs> right? It could it could be Washington Week, and it's like, well, Jay Busey's going to be in the corner. We're going to cut to him about every oh fifteen to twenty minutes, and then he's just going to bray like a donkey. It it'd be the only show I, I watched every week. Hmm. Okay, well, I will watch the third season. I mean, I. I caught, I mean, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed both of the seasons so far and, but I've never been one of those people who's just like immediately, like as soon as it came out, had to watch it, you know, right? right. it was just, but I still pretty soon after, you know, but maybe like a month or two, you know? So, I mean, it's neither one of those people is someone who's like, makes me want to say, I'm going to watch it just for them. I will say that, but. 
not that I have anything against them. I just, <laughs> it's, it's just, I enjoyed like first season with Matthew Modine on there. And then the second season with Paul Reiser. And I'm guessing they're going to fill Carrie Yo's whatever in the, uh, whatever that one spot. And instead, instead of having Paul Reiser, that's what I would guess. Mm. Having, having that character there. I don't know. You know, what's funny is I didn't even know that Paul Reiser was coming. Like I had no idea that he was going to be on the show. So when he, when I didn't we were watching it and he showed up, I was very happy about that. I didn't know he was coming either. Plus with the plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it was a little startling. <laughs> yeah. It took, it took a second for me when I, when he first popped up, I was like, that guy looks a lot like Paul Reiser. <laughs> What science fiction creation is this? <laughs> right. What iRobot reject? Why oh, did someone want to make a of, Paul Reiser bot? It reminds me of when you first started watching Gotham and you were like, you know, this actress looks a whole lot like Jada Pinkett Smith. And I'm like, that's because it uh-huh. is her. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, that would explain it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little slow sometimes. And, and their faces change around in ways that they're not supposed to. Yeah, I had I saw where someone referred to her as goblin like recently, or as in just like two days ago, and I went immediately looking for photos of her, and I wouldn't say she looks like a goblin at all. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> but okay. Um, okay. Well, next I have a sentence that has the words Alexander Aja and VR. Go on. Yeah. Um, which is just interesting because I was in a discussion with Duncan about high tension last night. After everyone else in America was in bed, I was up talking to the Scotsman. <laughs> or, you know, on Facebook, but. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Anyway, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Uh, okay. Well. Uh, one of the things that set the Overlook Film Festival apart from other film fests is that it focuses more on immersive forms of horror storytelling than just its film offerings. While VR previously played a role in the inaugural year of Overlook, it takes a much bigger role as heavy hitters not normally associated with virtual reality came to play. Heavy hitters like Alexander Aja, of high tension, of course, the hills have eyes, and original interactive theater company, Delusion, and even actor and musician, Will I Am. Campfire Creepers, uh, if you took the, is what it's called, if you took the anthology series approach of Are You Afraid of the Dark and gave it that brutal edge that Aja has trademarked, you have Campfire Creepers. The VR lounge at Overlook offered the first episode, running 12 minutes, which saw the eclectic group of kids from Camp Coyote gathered around the fire, roasting marshmallows and relaying tales of terror. The episode brought the tale of the skull of Sam and featured Robert England as a rather twisted collector of skulls from unwitting travelers through his woods. It's kid-friendly enough until it's revealed. Yeah, that sounds (laughs) kid-friendly. Until it's revealed just how England's character goes about collecting those skulls. I'm sorry, is there any way that you could collect skulls that would really be considered kid-friendly? Um, on on a beach? With a dog? (laughs) Through a catalog? Right. Okay, okay. That's how I like to get mine. (laughs) Fun for the entire family. 
<laughs> sure. Maybe as a medical school prank? Very small rocks. <laughs> That's just what you reminded me of throwing stuff out there. Like, <laughs> Great gravy. Apples. <laughs> it's Sometimes you got to do it for yourself, JJ. <laughs> Anyway, um, from England's pre- <laughs> from England's presence to the sort of '80s old school vibe, Campfire Creepers is a pretty entertaining anthology on its own. Since Aja sought out to create a more immersive experience, you can bet that he leans heavily into the 3D 360 experience. The POV perspective of the victims stuck watching their own demise, or even the marshmallows shooting into your vision as the campers roast them in the fire. It's a fun addition to an already fun concept. It's the same type of fun humor Aja displayed with 2010's Piranha 3D. In camp and gore, making campfire creepers feel like a spiritual cousin. Produced by Oculus and Future Lighthouse and... uh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) Produced by Oculus and Future Lighthouse and distributed by Dark Corner, Campfire Creepers is an experience fans don't have to wait for the skull of... Oh, they don't have to wait for it. The Skull of Sam and the second episode, Midnight March, are available now through the Dark Corner app for Oculus Rift and Samsung Gear VR. These current There's currently no determined number of how many episodes there will be, however, or if Aja will return for more. Interesting. Yeah, I, one of the things I really like as, as someone who enjoys the virtual reality my own self is... Uh, it's the thing that has proven to me what a coward I am, really, uh, is that when I play the VR horror games, I can't do it for very long. It it I, it creeps me the fuck out. Yeah. And, and the reason is, is because there's no escaping it, right? Like, you can't, when you're watching a horror movie or even playing a horror video game, you can look away from the screen or just the fact that you can see other shit in the room. Right. You know? Uh, the, the level of immersivity, uh, immersiveness, immersive, immersion, one of those immersion is what we're looking for there. Well done. That's why I get paid the big bucks. Uh, it's fact checker, Vanessa McHenry. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that level of immersion is, uh, like it really is terrifying at times if, if it's done right. And yeah, I'm very curious about this. I'll probably check this out tomorrow. As a matter of fact, if it's sounds like it's a free app, I'll uh, we'll see. Yeah, that would be cool. I would definitely uh, love to know what you think. I do have some experience with VR, although we've never we haven't dived into it ourselves as far as like having it in house. But I have played a few VR games. I really enjoyed it. I kicked ass at being a convenience store clerk. Let me tell you. <laughs> Until I actually fell over, I was trying. <laughs> I was trying to put something on the counter, and I kept reaching forward trying to put it on the counter that was not there in real life, and then I ended up just falling, which, which was just kind of a hoot. So at, uh, yeah, I I am a big fan of VR. I think it's fun. I like the whole immersive feel to it. I would totally be into watching. A VR horror flick. I think that'd be fun. 
Uh, also available on the VR Lounge were the first few episodes of Oculus Studio Studios' 13-episode interactive comic book series from the mind of Will I Am. It's a stylish story about a hip-hop group from East L.A. that must battle an ancient god who's turning black drug dealers and gangsters into zombies. Well, as they do. It's a fun story that's not without its kinks. Master of the Sun's primary means of, prog of progressing the story is by having the, its players focus on specific items. So, there's also that, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in. All right, on the list. All right. Well, you're <laughs> going to be our man on the street for the... Yeah, I'll, I'll be your news, your VR newsie. Our man yeah. in the living room, as it were. Say, Jamie, buzz on the street is virtual reality is all the rage. <laughs> you did that too well. <laughs> it's fun. I felt like I was watching one of our box sets there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fun to do that. Just in your walking around time. Like go, go, go into like a Burger King. <clears throat> Say, pal, I hear that Coke is the tops. I'll have a cup of that. <laughs> Them talking pictures. You took yeah. a powder and blew his top of the cops. <laughs> <laughs> See? See? It's fun. <laughs> um, have you ever noticed how in old movies and TV shows, the, um, the dispatcher for the police always sounds exactly the same? And yep. it's always, it's always, you know, um, car 34. You know, yep. Like robbery in progress. And I'm like, good yes. lord. And then, you know, fast forward about 50 years and they're a lot more animated, you know, just like into it. But they all have that same monotonous delivery. It just, it cracks me up. I wonder how many times uh, in the history of films the line, say, Joe, you don't believe that giant bug nonsense, do you? Was said. <laughs> it, I mean, it's got to be, what, six, seven at least? It got to, yeah. You know, a phrase I picked up from all these older movies we've been watching, and I say it a lot now, is, Oh, Ma, I don't want to go to bed yet. <laughs> Something disturbing about that. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. No, we we recently watched The Trouble with Harry and Jerry Mathers is in that film as a little bitty kid. I the love Beaver, that movie. for those of you who don't recognize his name. But um and I was saying that so many times throughout that movie because it's my dead rabbit. What do you call it? <laughs> dead? Ah, <laughs> uh, and Hitchcock's great. Okay. <laughs> this is exciting. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs is hosting a 24-hour horror movie marathon on Shudder. I think that's awesome. We have Shudder. That makes me happy. Okay, um, I'm sure a lot of you will remember Monster Vision that was hosted by Joe, Joe Bob Briggs. I, I vaguely recall, yes. All right. Well, uh, his tenure as Monster Vision host ended abruptly in 2000 with the show just presenting movies without a host for a while before ending completely. Briggs has remained active with the horror community in the years since and regularly attends conventions. And, you know, you remember his drive-in totals. That, that was great stuff. Uh, back in January, Briggs took to social media to tease fans with the prospect that Monster Vision might soon be returning, this time on horror streaming service Shudder. While that still hasn't happened, 
It looks like the groundwork for a full return is being laid. Recently, Joe Bob's Facebook page confirmed that he's set to host a 24-hour horror movie marathon on Shudder. He'll, he'll provide intros and outros to each movie, as well as Monster Vision's famous drive-in totals. The marathon will take place on a Friday in June, but an exact date has yet to be revealed. It's going to be so awesome to see Joe Bob do his thing once again. And then, of course, I guess you could hope that Shudder would opt to... Um, well, hopefully store an on-demand version of that so you can yeah. watch it anytime, even if you missed it. I mean, I think that would just be dumb if they didn't. I would um, imagine they would do that. I would hope so. But it would be cool if it became a regular thing. Yeah. I miss I miss horror movie hosts. Yeah. I don't think Great. we have any. Yeah. I, I kind of grew up uh, more on Elvira. Oh, me too. That was... Yeah. As did I. And so I didn't really catch a lot of the Joe Bob Briggs stuff. And the one thing I wonder, and, and maybe it's just me being an old man about it. <laughs> but when I, when I see a lot of the clips, cause again, I wasn't like a, a big fan necessarily. Uh, I, di- I didn't watch a lot of it. And so when you see the, the totals and it's like, uh, you know, this many heads lopped off and this many boobs. And it's like, I I wonder if that fits necessarily with a modern sensibility or if he's planning on tweaking that somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I could be a total old man about it. I just wonder if in light of recent cultural events, uh, you know, a guy talking about how many tits are in a movie is appropriate, you know? Uh you know, I, I totally get your point, and, and I see where that's coming from. However, if we ever get to a stage where it's not okay to like boobs in your horror movies, right. I'm going to be a very sad person. As because, well. Because I do. And, you know, when you're making a movie and you've got like lots of gratuitous nudity and blood and all this stuff, and, and what does he say? Blood, boobs, and beasts? Those are like the three... Um, the top three things to have in your horror movie. So, um, like humanoids from the deep. There you go. A perfect example of all three. If it suddenly becomes it's not okay to watch humanoids from the deep, then I have a real issue with that. Well, I don't know that it's a, about like it's right. It's okay to watch the movie, but I think it, you also have to acknowledge like it's not the movie's fault for being made at a time. That nobody was thinking about that shit, right? Yeah, but, but at I the same like time, we in my movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I like. I. I I'm not trying to over argue the point. Do you have issues? Uh, no, I'm a big fan. <laughs> as, as a rule, I just I I worry because horror is now entering a place where it is legitimately respected. You know that the with with the run of movies lately that are a bit more critically acclaimed and all that stuff. I, I don't want to go backwards. You know, I don't want to make movies from the seventies today. I like the stuff that's being well, made today. Need to have well, a talk Rob zombie. Cause that's all he knows how to do. Uh, yeah. I mean, 31 is God awful. And I, I, the more oh, he makes movies, I think that maybe he accidentally made a good one. Yeah. He, Eli Roth it. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where were you going to say Vanessa? Nothing. Anyway. No, I... Yeah. 
Sometimes you gotta have boobs, though, Bo. I, I'm not denying that. I, I'm saying but that I there agree is with a. You, they don't need to be there all the time. Right. It, no, it, it depends on the movie. It's a case by case basis. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I, well, I think that's kind of always been the way it's been. You know, um, hasn't yeah. it? I mean, <laughs> eh, no, because uh, like no, any give, any given Friday the Thirteenth movie, not there is not all Friday the Thirteenth movies have boobs. I'm right, but you have to admit that culturally, the association with Friday the Thirteenth movies is Jason, yes. nubile campers. I mean, yep, it's it's and, um true, true. And I'll tell you this: that's one of the reasons I wasn't crazy about the Final Girls because no boobs. It didn't feel authentic to me because yeah. it and it stuck out to me, or rather, they didn't and. I think the difference is, though, we're in a cultural area, like a within our culture now, it, it is important for us to be respectful of things. And it should have been that way all the time. And it hasn't. And it's something that we need to work on. But when you're into the realm of like a slasher film or your films like say a humanoids that that would typically or a piranha double d or like piranha 3d for instance not double d oh my god that was bad but um piranha 3d for instance when you yeah. have these films that you expect this sort of thing from you're i mean keep in mind that the the women who are making these films are choosing to make these films you know this is something that they are getting paid to do and they're okay with it you would assume um did they get paid a premium for boobs? So you I know, would hope so. Yeah. So it's I, I, actually not true, but go on. <laughs> I'm saying for for the for the like I, I because we had this discussion a number of times in the Lost After Dark stuff about whether there were going to be boobs in the movie and whether there weren't and what that cost. And it turns out nothing really. That's something no. that's negotiated like way high levels of actresses. Oh well, I I, Most- I imagine. I mean, when you get when you get to like a lower budget thing, and you get to then it just basically becomes a: Are you willing to do this or are you not? I would imagine. Yeah. And some of them are because they feel it would their presence on screen is more important than not showing their boobs, and some of them are very adamant about no boobs, you know, and that is the choice that is left up to the actress and should be left up to the actress. I know in a lot of situations it hasn't been, and that's bad. That is not a good thing. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but what I'm just saying, I I think it always needs to be something that is a choice. Yeah. And sometimes there can be, it can be made specifically with exploitation as the purpose and that's fine sometimes, but again, sure. it shouldn't be all the time. No, yeah. and well, and of course not. I mean, I, I, you know, and I always have the struggle because I enjoy both sides of that. Where, <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, something is so not that, and then other times I want to see something completely ridiculous and sleazy. Yeah, well, and that is the beauty of how broad our genre is. is exactly, we we get to have something for every day of the week. There is something to satiate all of our needs, to feed all of our tastes. And sometimes I feel like watching Rosemary's Baby. Sometimes I feel like watching 
Which has you know, boobs, by the way. Yes, it does. And sometimes, but it is a, but it is a, a more elevated film. But sometimes I, even though Polanski is in there, and oh my goodness, that was, oh, all right, that was a, that was a bad choice. But I love the movie, so yeah, I don't care. But um, sometimes I feel like watching a chopping mall. You know, it's, and I can do that so much because. Fun. We have that range within our genre, and as a horror fan, it's okay. I never want to get to the point where I have to feel, I guess is what I'm trying to say, I never want to get to the point where I have to feel ashamed of wanting to enjoy a, like, quote-unquote, lowbrow horror film, because sometimes I just want to have fun. Right. So... And also, Bo, you're going on the assumption that just because there's nudity, it's not respectful. No, no, I, I, I don't mean to. I, no, I don't mean to imply that. I, I just, in my, my own personal belief is... I'm giving you shit. You, 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 ha- you just have to earn it a little bit, is all. Or, or set the stage where, like you said, like an exploitation uh, movie, or kind of modern day grindhouse stuff. Yeah, it's like, okay, exactly. well, that's what you are, and that's fine. Right. Um, yeah, anyway. Well, I think it's interesting, though, that of the three of us, it's also very telling. Of the three of us, Bo is the one who 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 has. See, I mean, I'm not saying you do have an issue, but what I'm saying is that you're the one who feels you need to be more cautious about it, and in that, you know, makes sense. But I have boobs, and I'm telling you, it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. As someone who wrote a film, though, that was you know sort of a take on slashers. The, the idea of like, okay, I have to actually write into this script the, uh, lines that will force a young actress to take her top off. And is this movie worth it for her to do that? You know, that's the calculation. I well, and, and I don't even think it's always necessary in a slasher film. 90s slashers are notorious for having no skin. I mean, like you've got Scream... I mean, they're virtual, and I know what you did last summer. These movies are virtually PG out of the gate. You know, you could just take the uncut film and show it on TV. I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I, I, I don't because I still happen to enjoy those movies for what they are. The the reason I have an issue with something like The Final Girls is because the whole point of that film was to throw back to a time when, yes, that was something that was a common thing, you know? So, because they were intended to be titillating. I mean, slashers in the early days were made for the younger audiences. And it was because, I mean, directors, producers, they knew for years that horror movies were profitable. Just like you could throw whatever out. Teenagers would go see it. You know, why do you think the monster movies in the fifties, it's the same kind of thing. Of course. Not that they weren't necessarily looking for quality product. No, they're guaranteed to make a return, you know. The slashers of the 80s were, but there's a definitely an element of that, that same spirit. Behind. No, it, absolutely. That's why a lot of the slashers from the 80s were made by people who didn't even normally make horror films necessarily, but they needed some money. Right. So they knew that a horror film, and at that time, specifically slasher films, are going to make an automatic return. Yeah. Even today, horror horror is one of the genres that I think there's like two of them, horror being one, and I think sci-fi maybe the other one. But that, like, say, Redbox will throw money at because 
they know they're going to get their money back. Netflix, I mean, why do you think their horror section is so huge? You know, it's it's really getting hard to find anything on Netflix these days, it seems, unless it's original content or really crappy horror movies because they don't have to put a lot of money into that and they know they're going to get it back. So it, um, yeah, I don't even know what we're talking. Oh yeah. Joe Bob Briggs. Um, (laughs) Remember that. And would it be appropriate for him to have his drive-in totals the way they were? I don't know. I think that'll be interesting to see whether or not people feel they need to tiptoe around it as a horror fan. I'm curious as a horror fan who happens to also be a woman. I don't want them to. And I'm not going to be mad if they do, because I will totally understand it. But what I'm saying is I don't feel it'd be necessary for them to. They don't need to do it for me. There may be people out there who would be more comfortable if they did. I'm not one of them. So I guess we'll wait and see. Moving on to the next story, A Quiet Place 2. Screenwriters say they have many ideas. Oh, not lots, but many. Uh, (laughs) I was completely invalid. You lied to us, Jamie. (laughs) A Quiet Place has been making quite the noise in the horror community lately, and with any luck, we'll be getting a second film. Oh, I don't really want a second A Quiet Place. I don't either. I don't think we need one. I would like to see more from those minds, because if they can do more of that, then I'm on board. But I don't need more of that particular thing. Oh, one thing I wanted to say about A Quiet Place earlier, and I know after I saw it, because Jamie, I knew you had seen it, I messaged you. I was like, <laughs> all I got to say is at the end of that movie, I said to my friend that I, I went to the movies with, I'm like, once again, bitches have to get have to be the ones to get shit done. Yeah. It's the women save the day. Like, oh, of for sure. Of course, of course, it has to be the women who... Save the day. We always have to save the day. <laughs> and it's, um, you know, it's, we are the, we're the mothers, we're the protectors, we're the, or whatever, I don't know. I don't know, because I'm not one, but if I was one. A warrior? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Is that, isn't that what Zena did? Uh, Zuni, oh, I <laughs> thought you were doing the Zuni <laughs> fetish princess. doll. Yes, that was Zena. <laughs> About the nineties. <laughs> oh my god, that had lots of cherubs in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and what'd you oh you thought I was doing the Zuni fetish doll? <laughs> that's awesome. Um, Instead it was the Xena fetish doll. Yeah. Oh, oh my that's god. a whole different thing. I think I, saw, <laughs> I think I saw one of those at Adam and Eve the other day. Oh my god, I was gonna say that's a whole <laughs> Sounds hot. Appropriately hot for this episode. (laughs) She also has boobs. (laughs) And she was in Ash vs. Evil Dead. Exactly. Well, in a talk with Fandango, screenwriters Brian Woods and Scott Beck disclosed that they are not opposed to a franchise based upon A Quiet Place. When asked about it, they gave a very clear answer. Definitely. There are so many discarded set pieces, too, just hiding out on Word documents on our computer. So, yeah, there are certainly so many stories you could tell. It's just really, at the end of the day, who are the characters in this and what does this situation mean to that dynamic? It's such a fun world. There are so many things you could do. So, there you have it. Well, I mean, basically all we have is that, yes, they've got stuff they didn't use. 
yeah, they'd be happy to use it. Probably if somebody drove a truck of money up to their house, they'd be like, okay, here you go. Um, I, however, don't necessarily need it. So I, I, well, not necessarily. I don't need it at all. I was perfectly happy with the one and done on that one. I think it's the kind of movie yeah. that does well with that. I know. I agree with you on that. Yeah. So, but I would, what I would like to see is for them to maybe take some of those ideas that they have that are unused and maybe some of those set pieces, tweak them a little bit, create a different world and maybe plop those down into that and give us a whole new story. Well, the way I only way I could see it working where I would be happy is if it was the same universe, but it was a different group of people. So basically like a fear of the walking dead versus the walking dead kind of scenario. Yeah. 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 I mean, I could see that I, it would. I, I think the problem with that though, is that we already know so much about the world that there wouldn't be but anything saying, to really reveal, you know, I don't really care about the future of this family at this point. <laughs> well, no, I don't, I don't need to spend more time with this. I don't need to spend more time with this family. Um, and the problem, like I said, with setting it in the same universe or, you know, the same world is that we already know everything. Well, not everything, you know, what, what could be fun is like maybe a pre the origin of the, yeah, that, that would be interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. I always like to see when the, when the world is falling. Right. You know, like a, a dawn of the dead versus a day of the dead kind of thing. Yeah, Exactly. So, so it's going to be qu a quieter place, a quiet place too. Ah. <laughs> Ooh, you do the trilogy of quiet place, quieter place, and quieter quietest place. place. Exactly. And you call the call it the shh. Trilogy. Oh damn it! I was just about to say that. Ah. A quiet place too. In your face, JJ. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, quiet please three. Get keep it down, please. <laughs> like things are looking up. I want there to oh. be a librarian in there somewhere. <laughs> I want the librarian ghost from Ghostbusters. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> oh, I'm in your head, JJ. <laughs> you don't want to be in there. Trust me, it's not a good place to be. <laughs> I'm never happy in there. <laughs> I'm we rolling around beat on the walls like I was in a like a Marilyn Manson video. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Going off the rails. <laughs> okay, well, I've got one last story. I'm going to keep it together for one last story. That is the Hell of Waiting Ends Hyperviolent Agony finally confirms a release date. Well, hot damn. I, was I waiting for that? I don't know. Um, I might have been. Roughly two years ago, though it feels much longer, a trailer was released from YouTube channel Agony, Agony Game. More than 547,000 viewers espied a first-person experience of what seemed to be Milton's scene of the fall depicted in Paradise Lost. Plummeting to hell, a man narrates how he has no memories of what came before, and the torment he bears while existing in the Inferno. We're told there is a way to escape, but it requires a meeting with the Red Queen. This is the first the public commercially hears of agony. In time, everyone learns the official game 
description of Agony, and that is, Agony is a first-person survival horror game currently in development. Players will begin their journey as tormented souls within the depths of hell without any memory about us about your past the special ability is to control people on their path and even possess simple-minded demons give the players necessary measures to survive in the extreme conditions therein by exploring hostile environment and interacting with the other weary souls of the hellscape the hero will soon understand that there is only one way to escape from hell and it will require a meeting of the mystical red goddess mad mind studios a team of compiled developers from different projects like The Division, Witcher 3, Sniper, Ghost Warrior 2, launched Agony's Kickstarter five months later. The campaign ended in December of 2016 with a total of 182,000 and change collected. And that was 115,000 above their goal. Their estimate, their goal initially was $66,666. Their estimated delivery was initially May of 2017, but of course, nothing ever simple when it comes to games with as much entertainment potential as Agony. And that's it. The game has also unfortunately run into issues with the vulgar imagery of gore and nudity resulting in certain versions of the game being banned. For those excited to try out the innovative, horrifying, and delightfully visually disturbing first-person survival horror title, for additional information... Feel free to check Agony's Kickstarter page, Agony's website, Facebook, and, Ag Ag and agonygame.com. I didn't see a release. Didn't they say they announced a release date? Did I say it? I, I can't tell you everything you yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> there were words in there. There were uh -huh. words, and I said them. I, I actually oh, have... The 29th. Uh, it will be released May 29th. Okay, good. Uh, a friend of mine uh, at work uh, is somehow on the beta of this, and I, I've I've heard him talk about this game and say that it is very gruesome. So nice. I don't know. Yeah, seems kind of cool. I'm okay with gruesome. But again, see above regarding the VR. They were like, "Hey, it's a VR experience." Like, I don't know if I can do it that way. That sounds like it would be scary. <laughs> Yeah, I'm waiting for the spate of horror films to come where, I mean, I know we've had some in the past, but um, One More Man doesn't count. I'm talking, I want uh, some new VR, basically movies about people who have gone crazy from playing VR games and are just like st stuck in their own minds, trapped in horror survival games and such. Yeah, there's a kind of a, a a good Black Mirror episode that was kind of, uh, kind of about that. Oh, that's right. Okay, well, never mind. It's already been done. That's yeah. probably where I got it. <laughs> yeah, those, but those Black Mirror guys are pretty smart. <clears throat> yes, they are. I love that show. Okay, well, that's it for me. I am done with the news. Jamie out. <laughs> uh, okay, we are we are going to uh, hit our one of my favorite features. Ask DTP. Um, the reason that I held you off earlier, Jamie, is that uh, we only had a handful of questions this week, so I wanted to save them all till the end. But going back to what you were referring to earlier, one court psyops uh, asks us: Since Bruce Campbell will no longer be playing Ash, what is the next thing you would like to see him do? Uh, Jamie, do you have an answer yet? No, Vanessa. <laughs> I don't have an answer. I don't. 
The correct answer is Bubba Nosferatu. <laughs> That would be awesome. <laughs> the other thing he did. <laughs> I love that movie. I mean, not Bubba Nosferatu, but he should do that. He should so do that. Yeah. I am. Uh, I, I Honestly, because at one point, I think Paul Giamatti mm-hmm. was tied to that. And I would love to see that happen now. That would be amazing. What is going um, on with Paul Giamatti these days? I haven't seen him. Since he played, uh, he's on that billion show. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's on that Showtime series. Yeah. Okay. He's good on. It. I got billions, baby. Yeah, I love him, and I just feel like I, I don't see him anymore. Much like William H Macy, yeah. but that's because he was on Shameless. So. Yeah, they gobble up all the good character actors and hide them away for like three years. We need to quit that shit. I know Showtime's insidious. Um. Court also asks us, uh, what is your favorite horror film uh, to watch in the springtime? You know, what's weird is I I saw that question and I thought, huh, that's a good question. Because I don't know. I have I have winter horror films and I have summer horror films. I don't know that I have anything that is specifically sp- And I have fall horror films. I don't know that I have anything that's spring. Uh, Vanessa? Uh, yeah, that's a valid point. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm terrible because I think of yeah, I think of winter and 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 fall, but summer I just try to leave out. It's again the seasons I don't like so much <laughs> with the warmer weather that I try to ignore. Yeah. Um, but it's easy well, when summer hits, that's camp. when I start doing um, like sleepaway camp. I do that series. I you know. That's those are my summer films or the burning um, things that are you know specifically camp or summer related you know but um, maybe but, graduation day yeah I was just gonna say graduation <laughs> day <laughs> and I just watched that just randomly so there you go <laughs> no you wanted your sporting events with <laughs> with, with options of, of weapons <laughs> oh that's right fatal games that was. <laughs> Throw <laughs> back to a <laughs> last episode. Uh, you know, maybe prom night. Yeah, that work. If it, as long as it's the original one. You know. Also, hello, Mary Lou. Prom two. night two. Electric. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, graduation <laughs> slash prom theme films. I guess uh, Carrie. If you were going with a prom theme, yeah, that's an excellent choice. Carrie's a good one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I in fact I thought uh, the other day that a high school holding a Carrie themed prom would be about the hippest high school I ever heard of. Well, they did the oh, star thing in in Tragedy Girls, so exactly. Um, you know what? Well, this would be good as Piranha Three D bringing that up for like a third time this show, but um, that was over spring break. <laughs> that took place over spring break. So oh, yeah. What about Piranha Two: The Spawning? That's a thing. <laughs> I don't remember that. I know I've seen it, but I. That's a thing that James Cameron did that I'm sure he probably uh-huh. could forget. <laughs> yeah. I know. Directed by James Cameron, yeah. Yep. Spawning is very springy, uh, though. It's a spring. That's what I'm saying. Springtime thing, so maybe so. Springtime is all about doing it. <laughs> As at least one of our movies has. Mother's Day. 
I guess so. Sure. Not so basically look for all the holidays in the springtime. April Fool's Day. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. April Fool's Day. Pick all those movies out and there you go. And just about everything we've named has been a slasher except for the Piranha films. All right. So that's enough. Um, (laughs) Darren has sufficiently answered. Darren uh, asks us, uh, this is a toughie. Who is the sexiest cinematic vampire? Mm, that's not tough for me at all. All I right. Know who mine is? You know. Who is yours? No. I know. Is it Franklin? Yes. All right. It's a good call. Doesn't get any hotter than that. Not from my point of view. I will um, respectfully disagree with you. <laughs> um. I, for a for a male, I would still have to put Lugosi up there, but um, Catherine Deneuve. Oh, yeah. you know what? Sorry, I'm sorry. Just oh, that's mm. that's mine too, Catherine Deneuve. Uh, although, oh shit, David Bowie. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's kind of best of both worlds. You got Andrade. Yeah, there. right. <laughs> Monica Bellucci from Bram Stoker's Dracula is one of the hottest things I have seen in my life ever. Let's not undersell uh, Selma Hayek. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, that's true. Also, male, I wasn't hating on Dracula 2000 for it to be when it was made. That's Gerard Butler. Yeah. (laughs) And I have to say, Christopher Lee has certain je ne sais quoi. He does. Yeah, he really does. That. He Ingrid, definitely has a presence. Ingrid Pitt. Yep. Oh. oh, crap, man. We just watched I The House That the Dripped Empire Blood. Um, yeah, we just watched The House That Dripped Blood where um, she turns into the vampire. It's like, you know, that very famous shot of her leaning over the coffin with her boobs popping out. Um, gosh, she's hot. Yeah. She's- it's in one of the, uh, what's his name? Uh, the One of the Doctor Who's. Uh, is the actor in that who buys the cape yes. initially? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty. Yeah, well, there are a lot of sexy on-screen vampires. That is. Pretty- let's yeah. Let's many. give a quick I could- a quick shout out to Chris Sarandon from Fright Night. Oh, that's mm. a pretty sexy good vampire. One. Him and his deep V. No. no. What you mean? No. No. When Come to Me is playing, are you kidding me? No. <laughs> uh, I don't find him. I don't. I don't see any him as attractive. That's all. Yeah. Uh, is it the perm? That's okay. It's the perm. It might be the perm. More <laughs> for me. That's, that's, yeah. Oh no. I mean, like, no question about that. Oh, and you know, I have to say, okay, Gary Oldman. That that's not bad. Um. You know what's interesting is when I was young, I did not think he was attractive at all, and as I've gotten older, I have grown to appreciate his attractiveness in that film. It's interesting. My tastes have changed completely. That may not be interesting. I could be playing it fast and lose <laughs> with the word interesting on that. <laughs> but it's notable. Maybe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, any other candidates? Uh, is anyone um, feeling Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise from interview? I'm not. Uh, I'm just asking. Uh, oh, although uh, Antonio Banderas. Oh, yeah. I always forget he's in that, but that, yeah. 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 Antonio E. Banderas. 
Sorry, I just like saying it that way. Uh, Kate Beckinsale is a good call. Ow. Sorry, my cat's biting me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my cat apparently right. didn't like the Kate Beckinsale <laughs> comment. <laughs> right, like barely a movie. Oh, you know what? Maybe you heard she was in a cat suit and, you know, found mm. it offensive. Yeah. Sure. 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 Uh, all right. I think that's I enough sexy vampire. With this one. Yeah. I think we've just but named honestly, them all. <laughs> name every vampire movie ever. <laughs> Catherine Deneuve, for uh, me, I think is the winner. Yeah. Just because as soon as Vanessa said it, it was like, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's probably 100% correct. <laughs> I'm going to go with Monica Plus, Bellucci. Because, Damn. One of the things I like about the the Catherine Deneuve vampire too is uh, not only is you know it Catherine Deneuve, but <laughs> uh, there, there's the elegance, yeah, that is lacking a little bit with the Bellucci. Yeah, I but with Bellucci, you've got me. the boobs, and yeah, I mean, she's just yeah. beautiful. Well, you got that with Hayek too. She is I mean, just no, beautiful. Look, we're we're riding in the high country with all of these. <laughs> things. And Selma Hayek, yeah. I mean, ooh. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of, it's time for us to start talking about movies. Oh, we are going to take <laughs> our first break, and we're going to be right back with oh, the listener Dad, pick. I don't want to talk about movies now. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Something weird about it. <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna be right back to talk to about the uh, listener pick, Ink. Are you terrified by real life? Us too. You like horror movies? Us too. Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 125 of Devour the Podcast. Our listener selection, our randomly selected listener pick, uh, which we we do uh, by uh, taking requests from our listeners. We collect 10 of them, we spin a wheel, and whatever it lands on is the movie we watch. In this case, uh, the movie is Ink. And... Uh, the IMDb description is a mysterious creature known as Ink steals a child's soul in hopes of using it as a bargaining chip to join the Incubi, the group of supernatural beings responsible for creating nightmares. Uh, it was written and directed by uh, Jamin Winans, I believe. Yaman Winans, maybe? I don't know. Um, Jamin. Jamming, j- j- jamming on the because on the, I think on the movie it was only credited as as just a single name. I think. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, so uh, movie came out in two thousand nine. Um, maybe. Hyman? I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe. Um, if yeah, if he doesn't have any movie. money, he, he's broken. <laughs> broke. Oh, Jamie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Vanessa, what did you make of listener-selected film, Inc.? 
I, I, I know the answer to the question, but I'm still wondering if I watched the correct movie. <laughs> um, <it> just... <laughs> Were there a bunch of uh, no, I did watch uh, uh, the correct movie, but I'm wondering if I did. If a bunch of the reflective sunglasses uh, kids, like from Sin City, yes. at the yes. end, yeah, oh, no, that was the it. Bonnie Tyler video. Turn around. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Well, it. Uh, <laughs> It was a little perplexing to me because I kept, I really did sit there. I was watching with a friend and we were both like, are you sure you're watching the right movie? Because I, I don't know what genre I would consider this movie, but I don't think I would consider it a horror movie. Nah, may, you may be dark fantasy. Yeah, but dark maybe. fantasy, but not necessarily horror. I would not. I agree with you. Um, which I, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but I guess I was expecting something different. And, you know, and I really didn't read up on this beforehand. I just kind of wanted to go in surprised, which I was. <laughs> um, sure. It's a noodle scratcher a little bit. All I kept thinking, well, and I kept going back to, do you ever, have you ever heard the podcast, How Did, how did This Get Made? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so comedian Jason Manzukis on there, he always says the line of, it's going to be a Jacob's Ladder scenario. That is, ex- I kept saying that about this movie. It's a Jacob's Ladder scenario, right? That's what it's going to end up being. And my friend, who is not as familiar with the movie Jacob's Ladder, was looking at me like, what are you talking about? But that's, I, that's the closest thing I could think of seeing this and I was just like little things about it. Like the, the, okay. The little girl (laughs) that is at the center of this, I don't know why, but she annoyed me. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, once I, I, I hit that point of realizing she annoyed me. I just kind of was like, I don't care. I want to let her, I let's, I just want her to die or go, disappear it's, I don't care about her <laughs> I wasn't really that engaged yeah um I I think maybe just to put a finer point on on sort of what this movie is is it is the story of this dude named John who is a real asshole business type and he, at some point, his wife died, his little girl was taken away from him and lives with uh, her grandparents while he goes off to be a rich asshole business type. And then creatures from a dream dimension or something. Yeah, the diversity squad. <laughs> yeah, I call them the good dream gang. <laughs> Um, they, they show up and they, uh, they make people have good dreams. And one of, one of them, uh, it it, like sees this girl, Emma, the, the daughter of the asshole and is like, oh, she seems really cute and nice. And then, uh, a bunch of incubi, uh, which I actually like the design of those, the, uh, uh, where it's like they're 
faces are obscured by sort of an opaque screen that proje- projects an image of a smiling face. And it's kind of creepy. It's it's it one of the of reasons. Yeah. I, I watched yeah. that not that long ago. And yeah, the screens and with those faces reminded me of Brazil. Which I liked about the movie, actually. I did like that. It's not that I dislike this movie. It's just... Uh, I Anyway, go ahead. Continue. Well, all right. So um, after the Good Dream gang uh, shows up, then come the Incubi. The Incubi uh, attack the Good Dream gang. And then this goblin-looking dude named Ink shows up. And steals the girl's soul, kind of. Yes. But it, it, it looks like her, but, you know, th- he, he takes her essence and then runs into this portal. And the movie is sort of, Ink is trying to get her soul to what is called the Assembly so that he can become one of these Incubi. While the good dream gang is trying to stop him led by Jacob, who is a really annoying character with tape over his eyes and <laughs> is sort of, they call him a pathfinder, yeah. but he's, he's basically like a Jedi master sort of thing. He's blind, but he's a, he's a, he can see whatever future, whatever different things. For all the world, Ink reminded me of freak show from Harold and Kumar. I don't know why, but every time he was on screen, oh, that's what yeah. I thought of. And Todd and the Pathfinder Jacob was basically Todd in the Shadows. If anybody out there watches the Todd in the Shadows YouTube channel, um, that's him. I mean, it's not him, but that's him. It's I. That's these are the things that kept running through my mind when I was supposed to be having the movie run through my mind. <laughs> I think what kept taking me out of it too was ink the makeup on the face was it wasn't consistent through the film and Ah. you could yeah you could there were certain points where you could tell like they just sloppily you know had put something on for the day for whatever shoot of a scene or different from this other one just a minute ago you know that and then his costume his overall costume all i kept thinking was this is what i have seen done on stage in many many productions of a christmas carol i was yes ghost of the christmas past exactly or or caliban from the tempest right right yeah but to bring it to the the dickens thing though I I was making totally smart ass comments the other the entire time, but I made it one about a half hour after I made the one <laughs> about saying that it looked like the ghost of Christmas past, where I'm like, when's Miss Havisham gonna show up? And sure enough, there's there the one she was. She pops up, a woman who looks just like Miss Havisham from well, mm-hmm. diff- a different, you know, Charles Dickens novel. But still, <laughs> it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, There, there's, uh, yes. It, it, here, Here's the thing about this movie that frustrates me. 
is there are things about it that I think are genuinely creative. Uh, I think that even though, um, you know, you mentioned Brazil, but like the a face display thing is kind of a neat image. Even ripping off the Sin City sunglasses is, is kind of cool. The yeah, some of the visuals are really neat, and like there's even a sequence like when the Jacob guy, who's a character I don't like, but it's the moment you realize in the film. Slight spoilers here that um, he is orchestrating this car accident that happens at the beginning of the film, so that they can subvert the natural order of. You know, this dude becoming a monster. Sort right, of. right. And and there's this sequence where he kind of dances around and he's, uh, through the whole movie, he's counting time. One, two, three, and it's four. really irritating. I actually liked Jacob. He was the only character I really did like. <laughs> well, but in this scene, like, all of that actually pays off. And there's this sudden understanding that, like, oh, he's he's actually keeping time to sort of the universe at large around mm-hmm. him. And and orchestrates things in this very particular way to make this car accident happen. And I was like, that's really neat. I you know, like in a better movie, that would have been a great scene. I did like um Okay, here's the thing. When we first started out, we first the first thing we get is this car accident thing. And then I am confused as hell from that point on trying to figure out where in the where we are in the timeline uh, yeah I was gonna if someone that. is dreaming or if they're dead or if they're you know like I couldn't get a grasp for a few minutes on what the hell was happening and then he mentions oh your mother's that the mother is dead and the daughter was taken away from him and I'm like well then what the fuck did the car accident have to do with anything and then it and then like way into it I realized oh that was one of those things where they show you a piece of the movie from later on in the movie as the first scene of the movie which I hate when they do that but anyway that was so that's what that was and then so when that came together I was like okay well you kind of you know that that works I get it now like it that actually fits but the thing was when we first see him playing with his little girl and she's like play with me play with me play with me and he's like no and then he does relent and he plays with her. I actually kind of teared up there. And that's, this is like in the first five minutes of the movie. So don't get excited. But I, I did. I that, actually, kinda, I wanted to bail in that scene. I was like, no, I can't. I, I, can't. I actually, he's a terrible dad. And that's well, no, he's he, so no, shitty. He is. But then that moment where he actually did, relents and, and decides to save her from the, you know, I'm going to save you from the monster. And he's playing with her. I'm like, Oh good. You know, it made me happy. Um, but then we find out that she was taken away from him by the grandparents. And when she goes into this coma or whatever, and then she's in the hospital, the grandfather comes to him and he basically tells the grandfather to fuck off. The grandfather's like, look, she needs you. And he's like, you're talking to me about being a good dad. You didn't talk to your daughter for 15 years. And he's like, I don't want you to do the same thing I did. I want you to come see your little girl. And he basically says, no. I mean, he pulls a, you know, a bird dimmick. I got a million, I got a million dollar sale coming, you know? Um, and I'm like, well, you're, you know, you're kind of a dick. So from that point on, when I realized that, because the fact that she was taken away from him and, and her grandparents are assholes has nothing to do with his daughter. That is not her fault. So the fact that his little girl is in the hospital and he can't be bothered to spend time with her 
all that shows me is that he basically is an asshole with no redeeming qualities and I no longer feel sympathetic for him. So from that point on, I didn't care what happened to him because he's a dick. You know, so I, that he lost me in that one. And then we had scenes like the business meeting where there, it just was so clear that none of these people had any idea what they were talking about. They were throwing around numbers and they were saying words, but there was no depth to them. There was no meaning behind them. It was just people saying things. And. But Jamie, they had them down 18, to 3%. You know, they had them at 18.5. No, they were going to take 18. Oh, yeah. And nobody's yeah. going to fuck with that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you have <laughs> yeah. a film like, say, for instance, Wolf of Wall Street, where when they're talking about things, even if there are things that they're discussing that you don't completely grasp because you don't ever have anything to do with that type of business. Like, so maybe you come into that knowing nothing. And so when you're listening to them talk, you don't necessarily get it. You still feel the weight of what they're saying. You still feel as if they mean what they're in, saying. In fairness, that's Scorsese. I don't give a shit. And this is, is uh, Yeah. <laughs> Good directing is good directing, and so my that's my point, is that's why I don't think Hyman will ever be a Scorsese, because <laughs> I don't believe... We could I, all be wrong on the name. Why name? Yeah, we could, we could. Just say why I don't believe that's what we these, knew that pronunciation. Yeah. I don't believe what these people were saying, you know, and then and then what it boils down to is basically what we have here is your your basic fantasy journey story like a legend or like a labyrinth or a, a real shit or Lord, a of, the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> all of these films that are better than this one. And for me anyway, fantasy walks a very fine line and journey films in particular, it's very difficult. Like you have to do it right and you have to keep me engaged. And the problem with this one is that it hit all the beats that are very, tropish you know but the thing was it hit all the beats that were very tropish i mean it was just like you know this is what's happening and then you, you could tell by the makeup they were trying so hard to obscure the big reveal that was going to be happening at the end yeah that you already knew what that was going to be because you've seen this these movies before you know it's this yes. is nothing new no I so, yeah and i completely call it out to my friend who was like you're crazy right. And I'm like, no, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in your face. It like like his schnoz. It's right in your face. And it's because, yeah, we've seen these movies before. We know how they work. And the problem with it, though, for me, when, well, one of the problems was, uh, even though I did actually, I will say I like the special effects in a lot of the scenes. I love the fight scene where the furniture is getting broken and then immediately going back together. I thought that was pretty tight. Um. Kind of fun. But for me, the biggest problem is that I had zero sympathy for our lead character. So if I don't care what happens to our lead, if I don't really care whether or not he gets his redemption, then him getting his redemption doesn't matter to me. So mm -hmm. basically, by the time we got to it, it was empty for me because I didn't give a shit. He's a dick. 
to his little girl. You know, it's not like he was just some business guy who was like a, a Scrooged scenario where he was just so into his business that he failed to see how it affected other people. Uh, no, this was his little girl who was in the hospital. He basically said, fuck off. And I don't even believe the business part of what he was doing. You know, like with Bill Murray, I believe his business side. You know, I this guy, I didn't believe it. He had all the depth of business of guy from Birdemic. And I mean that with us. I am saying that with a completely straight face. You know, it's just like that scene in Birdemic where he's like, I just sold a I made a million dollar sale. I gave him 50 percent off. Asshole, you just lost a million dollars then. Like, how is this a good thing? That scene reminded me, or this film reminded me of that, you know, every time we were in a business scene, because that's about as believable as it was. So that's my take. No, and I said, the one thing I said, the boardroom scene, part of it looked like it was stolen from uh, Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that would have taken a turn. A little bit. It had like a couple like camera type things that they were trying to oh, do. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. That that they were trying to do that reminded me of like the Ellen Burson scenes in Requiem for a Dream. And I was like, what the fuck? And then it just like, it didn't go anywhere. But. <laughs> well, I, I will say that there, the film. <sighs> Well, Brian said it when we were watching it. Um, he said, you know, this is this is basically the definition of style over substance. And I cannot disagree with that. I mean, I, I feel like there were a lot of things that they did that were kind of neat. But in the end, it didn't really matter because it was, you know, the stuff that they did do that was positive was really overshadowed by how mundane everything else was. So, at least for me, you know, I feel like the director had a lot of stuff he wanted to try, had some camera stuff he wanted to to play with, some special effects stuff he wanted to do. And, you know, okay. but if you want me to care about that, then you have to kind of back it up with with something a little more solid. And I just don't feel like there was anything there. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about the timeline flashback type thing. I feel that you can do that and have some of that in a film and have it be effective. But Mm -hmm. this was, this jumped around too much. Like it it didn't. Tarantino does it effectively, you know, Nolan does it effectively. To it, It, you know, so it, it, you never were able to, you know, find your place. And I think that was part of the problem. I totally agree because it, it, that was the thing is that, well, like I said, the very, the first good chunk of it, I was trying to figure out where the hell we were in the time because there was nothing, there was nothing to solidify the fact that this was something that's going to take place later. I mean, there was nothing to give you that indication that uh, like, say for instance, in a film like um, just just talking about it last night in a film like High Tension. When we first start out with that film, we see her running through the woods. She's all bloody and everything. And then, like, it cuts to her in a car with her friend going where they're going. So you get the impression that this is going to happen later. And something okay. like Hush, you know, when you see him dragging her down. Not Hush. Um, 
don't say it, no, no, don't breathe. Um, when you when it starts out with him dragging her down the street in the in the beginning of the film, and then it cuts to some you you know, oh okay, that's coming later. There's a way to do that that makes it clear that this is something that hasn't happened yet. This film did not do that. And so I'm under the impression this is how it starts. And then I'm wondering, well, if he's out of the hospital now, what was the point of that? Because he doesn't appear to be phased by any of that. And what the hell happened? And then when their dream people are going through the neighborhood in the beginning, I'm like, is that in their house or is that a neighbor's house? Who are these people? Is that her mom? Because I don't know her mom's dead yet. I mean, they haven't told me her mom's dead. So I'm like, oh, so that that must be her mother. You know, and confusing. Yes, because there was absolutely no definition. And I just don't feel like you can do that and expect people to be okay with it. I don't want to have to sit there and try to map out, um, you know, like with something like Memento, you know, I'll map that out because that's the that is the fun of the film. That's that it works, you know, um, with something like Pulp Fiction. It works. Right. This doesn't work. No. Again, you know, master filmmakers using timelines to play with a narrative. But, you know, our our man Winan here, uh, Hyman Winan, as as he's known to his friends, um, it's, it's just really frustrating storytelling because on the one hand, it, 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 it thinks it's too clever by half. And wants to play coy with all the details of the world that it's trying to build. But also is so obvious in its narrative that halfway through the movie, you know how it ends, even if you don't understand the mechanics of that. Right. And yeah, it's like I said, it's a frustrating movie because there are good ideas. I do think that Wynan does have some talent if, Nothing else is a DP. Right. Visually, uh, even yeah, though the, stuff there. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's it it it's one of those things because when someone recommends the movie, you don't want to shit on it. On the other hand, I don't think Ink is a very good movie. I don't either. And and the uh, thing is I I don't feel it's like so I'm boring. the last half hour is so boring. Yeah, is. I don't yes. I don't feel like I'm shitting on it. I just feel like I'm being on this is this is how I perceive this film. This is no you, know, you you feel just like the movie says. Don't try to manipulate my emotions. I don't have any. <laughs> yeah. You don't have any emotions, Jamie. We know it. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I'm a void. Just... <laughs> I, I do like that the villain at the end looks a little bit like Draco Malfoy. Uh, I thought that was a good time. Um, other than that, I, you know, let, let's just rate the thing, I guess, unless anyone has final thoughts here on Ink. Vanessa, on a scale of one to five stars, half stars being allowed, what do you give Ink? 2.5 stars. I mean, it wasn't good, but... Did I feel like my time was wasted? No, not necessarily. <laughs> like it, it had, I mean, the visuals were interesting enough, you know, for me to feel like my time wasn't wasted. But I would never 
seek this out on my own, like, or recommend it to someone. All right. Uh, Jamie. I'm going to say 1.5. I, I honestly just did not enjoy. I mean, I, I'm sorry if someone recommended it because they truly do enjoy this film and they were hoping that, that we would as well. I just, I, I didn't. And, um, as for all the reasons that I gave earlier and it just, um, was not an enjoyable sit for me. Doubly so because I had yeah. Brian griping next to me. So <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, that and made maybe, it even less and maybe I enjoyed it because I could shit. <laughs> see it helped that I had someone that I was sitting there with watching it and making snide comments about but if I, I would I would hated it probably if I watched it alone I see that's how I, I took it in I oh. raw dogged it uh, and it was it was a tough sit the, le- the last 20-30 minutes in my notes I just write in big block letters I am so bored uh, because that last 20, 30 minutes is like, oh, what's the big secret? Why is this lady, uh, trying to save ink? And it's like, well, cause it's the guy. God yeah, damn but it. Part Can we just not all sounded like a Scientology spiel or something like they're trying to get a pitch to get you into a cult. It really, <laughs> listening to some of it, I'm like, that's the same kind of thing they say when they're trying to butter you up to get you into a cult. <laughs> Her character, by the way, was I mean, the was most just... annoying thing to me by far. Like I yeah. just, every time she opened her mouth, I didn't want any part of it. <laughs> I thought she made a lot of good points. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I took the brochure. <laughs> and now our feature presentation. Tonight's feature presentation is 1995's Embrace of the Vampire. That's right, the movie that you remember watching in college and ruining a sock to. <laughs> this is directed by Anne Gorso Gorsod. Um and it uh, stars, of course, Alyssa Milano as Charlotte, Martin Kemp as the vampire. Uh, who else is important in this movie? Rachel True as Nicole, Jordan Ladd as Eliza, and uh, Charlotte Lewis as Sarah. And Jennifer Tilly. And, and Jennifer Tilly as Marika is how she is credited in the film. And I guess uh, worth mentioning, Harold Pruitt, who plays Boyfriend Chris. Um, so this was a thing that came <laughs> up and we thought it was funny. Like, you know, teehee, we ought to do Embrace of the Vampire. And I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. And now I, I regret that decision. <laughs> now you wish that you had it, 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 it remained unseen again. <laughs> Yeah, that I just kept my full mouth shut. Um, let, all right, we Vanessa, you started last time. Jamie, what was your take on uh, 1995's erotic horror film, Embrace of the Vampire? Well, I don't think this film could have been more 90s if it tried. <laughs> I, I really don't. This was basically a time capsule movie. And it, the, I, I was so distracted by the '90sness of this film the entire time I was watching it. I was like, "God damn!" Um, 
I'm kind of embarrassed that this was directed by a woman because this I almost, agree. This almost seems like a parody of what someone would think a woman would do. Um, like, you know, as a joke, you know, like like a like a romance novel come to life is kind of what it reminds me of. The dialogue is trite and annoying. The the vampire that's supposed to be so sexy and lovelorn is laughable. Every time he's on screen, he makes these like pained faces. I can't, that's not, no, that's not alluring. That's funny. And, you know, there's this whole countdown thing going on. Three days, three days, three days. And, and we, of course, we have Alyssa Milano who was raised in a convent. And so now she's in... Sure, sure she, she was. was. Yeah. So now she's a virgin in college, three days away from her 18th birthday, and her boyfriend is excitedly waiting for her 18th birthday. They've been together for 14 months, but somehow there's like this idea that he has that at the stroke of midnight when she turns 18, he's going to get to screw her. I, I I don't know why, because that's not really how that works. You know, it's not like the, it's like ding, 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 ding. Okay, go. Well, she's legal at that point. He can't go to the clinic. Well, that's true. that's true. But there's a lot more involved, you typically, than that. It just, and for her to be so virginal, would does it make sense that she would walk around in a white blouse with no bra? I, I'm just. I thought she, the same thing. If she's supposed to be so, you know. I don't know, like every like people are making fun of her. The Jordan Ladd character is constantly making fun of her for being so like stuck up and virginal and whatever. And I'm like, yet you're walking around with no bra and a white button down blouse. That makes no sense whatsoever. Um, another thing that do what <laughs> with overalls with oh my god Down and the, the, the knee socks. I keep going back to that. <laughs> it's because it's terrible when she pulls on the knit hat. Oh. To complete the ensemble, yep. I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. That is as about as nineteen ninety. The wardrobe in this film was ripped straight off of Shannon Doherty's body from nine hundred two one zero, and some of it came from friends. <laughs> I mean, it was just like this is just incredibly nineties. But I, I didn't also got the haircuts like Jordan Ladd. What the hell? I I, I always think that she's incredibly pretty. I, I love Jordan Ladd, and especially in something like Grace. I just think she shines in that. She's gorgeous. And, and in this film, I just, I don't know what was up with her hair. It was She almost had like a Barbara Bush thing going on at one point when yeah. she was wearing like the Wednesday Adams dress with the pearls, and then her, she had the Barbara Bush <laughs> hairstyle, and I'm like, that's not sexy. What are you doing? You look like my grandma. No. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I normally think Alyssa Milano is incredibly beautiful, even now, like, you know, 20 years later, I still think she's beautiful. But there's something that was really unappealing about her in this film. And I think, honestly, Brian kind of nailed it. And I think he's right. I, I believe it's the fact that she was attempting to look innocent. And I don't think that works for her. Um. She is known for doing a lot of this kind of movie. Like she was in Poison Ivy 2. Um, Which the same director, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, She played the slutty friend in Fear. So, I mean, she has this sort of a bit of a reputation for doing more erotic type films. Kind of like Drew Barrymore. But 
for her to attempt to pull off looking innocent, it just comes off as uncomfortable. It, it, it doesn't fit. So the, the, the scenes that should have been titillating or erotic were squirmy and weird. You know, there was a potential lesbian scene uh, that almost happened. And the whole time I just kept wanting to like cover up. Like I just, it, it wasn't sexy. And then the next time she sort of hooks up with this lesbian photographer and she makes the the move, you know, because she's going through her thing. I don't know. And <laughs> so she like makes the move to me again, it's cringy and weird and it makes me uncomfortable. It doesn't, it, it, I'm not like, oh, this is sexy. Uh, there's a scene where there's like three people and her in like one of her fantasy sequences. And the lovelorn vampire is coming up between her legs and he's got this look on his face. And I laughed out loud. I don't think that was what was intended with that scene. But that is, in fact, the, the reaction that it got. And it didn't help. This, this movie started out like some kind of porn version of legend which is exactly what it felt like to me. It felt yep. like someone was attempting to make legend, but on the, the budget of a porn and uh, which I think is basically what they were trying to do. <laughs> and it, I, so it, it just, it feels cheap. It feels sleazy. It, it doesn't feel sexy. It doesn't feel exciting. It feels grimy and gross. And that's pretty much how I felt about the whole thing. And then the story just doesn't make any sense. You know, I feel like five or six days have passed yet because I keep I keep <laughs> seeing nighttime. And yet he's like two more days. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We had like four nights already. Like, <laughs> how does time work in this universe? I don't understand. It was it was weird. And you've got a boyfriend who's constantly trying to get in her pants and she's saying, no, no, no. And then the, the vampire's like, oh, three days, I'm going to die. You're going to, why are you going to die? Did he explain that? Because if he did, I missed it. I. Oh, every, everybody is trying to fuck her in this movie. If you got a drugger to do it, then that's just what's got to yeah. be done. It's. Why is he going to die if in it, three days, though, if he doesn't get her to love him? It, I, it's, they I never explain it. It's. Okay. All right. So I didn't miss yeah. it. They it's just, just a thing he says. Thing. It's just okay. a thing. All right. You know, kind of like yeah. at the end, just, it's like, poof. And I actually said at the end when he like disappears, I was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> I mean, this whole movie led up to her going, nah, not really. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It, if it, if it pleased the erotic court, uh, uh, here is why I think this movie is gross. Because like Jamie was saying earlier, you know, she did Poison Ivy too and uh, that kind of thing. But when this movie came out, she hadn't done that stuff. She'd done some TV movies. The raciest thing she'd done thus far was she played Amy Fisher in a TV movie. Yeah. And so this is three years after Who's the Boss? And this is the first time that it's like, Alyssa Milano's getting naughty. And there's something in particular about the story of this film. Because the idea, right, is that you're taking this child actress that, you know, the country kind of grew up with. And the story of this movie is eerily uh, reminiscent of the real life story, which is... Here's this innocent girl 
that we are now going to treat as nothing but a sexual object. And the people around her, that's the only way they relate to her to one degree or another. Like, she's the campus virgin. I don't know about you guys. I don't recall campus virgins, campus sluts, campus bitches. Just wasn't a thing where I went to college. No, I mean, there were like 100,000 people at my university. I didn't didn't know them all. Maybe in a dorm. (laughs) I don't know. I right like it's all of this stuff and you know in theory in my mind this movie especially from a woman director it should be about the discover the discovery of her sexuality being empowering oh this totally went the wrong direction yeah yeah well yeah the end of the movie is she saves herself by not not having sex and it's like, well, then what is the lesson of this movie? I don't understand what the moral yeah. of this story is. And I still don't. I mean, please tell me, what is what is the the directorial vision of what this movie is about? If not her sexual... Like, is it treating her sexual awakening as a negative thing? Which it seems to be. No, it does seem to be. But that, But that kind of flies in the face of... Like what? So if if what you're doing is showing the most shameful aspects of her behavior as as the film sees it, then it's like Jamie said. Then it's just sleep. well. Look at how they treated you know? her relationship, or you know, not. I mean, relationship on the whole. I mean, with the photographer character. You know, this was this is a. Now this is the same woman who has a different guy every night. I guess so. She's. I guess she's bisexual and, but so according to them, a lesbian relationship it, it, th- through this lens is something disgusting and something. Un- yeah. That's is something that the ultimate right. corruption. And it's something yeah. that the other people are making fun of her for, you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's some, it's like she is at her seediest. She is at her nastiest. She is at her most evil when she is being, you know, like in this whole lesbian thing, you know, like the the scene that I was referring to when she actually made the move, that's like her being evil, you know, when she's wearing all the makeup and her hair's and her hair is actually curled. It's, you know, that's evil Alyssa. And so evil Alyssa is the lesbian Alyssa. And and what kind of message is that? Now guaranteed this is I mean, not guaranteed, but of course this is the nineties. I have something not- to say about that. Okay. <laughs> Ask lesbian. Go. Go. (laughs) This is so, so common in film literature, too, but particularly like film. And it goes even to, I mean, like where you see the lesbian vampire myth is it like that's how society to some extent has treated lesbianism or um have that at, but you know in this setting obviously it's here to titillate to some extent the actions um but no those relationships they never end well it's always and it's always an older one who initiates it it's always put in a or usually put in a predatory complex you know context because she's corrupting her Right, exactly. And we either end up alone or we die. 
that's I mean, that's the, that's the only acceptable Hollywood ending for us. I mean, things have finally started to change some, but not a lot. And yeah, we're there to look pretty and titillate, you know. But drawing her to the evil side, drawing her to the evil side, exactly. And who is that woman? Who like what college is she? (laughs) Because she looked like she was like thirty, and she yeah, she is actually much older. Was thinking the the same thing. Um, but and it's like you said, it always is an older character, and that's true. So clearly, I think that's where they were going with that because if you if you had a a person who looked the same age as Alyssa Milano, then that would just be you know experimentation. It wouldn't right. It wouldn't be someone luring her to the dark side. It would be you know right. Oh, this is kinky college girl stuff. You know, yeah. so yeah, it was important to have her be an older character. Well, important for what this woman was apparently trying to do, and. Uh, I don't, I don't know what she was trying to do, but I'm not a fan. Which, and can I, can I just say the seduction, the lesbian seduction scene with the clove cigarettes, how 90s. <laughs> and how oh college, my God. Yeah. How college. You wanted a clove cigarette. I'm like, oh I told Brian, I was like, oh man, I haven't had a clove cigarette in years. I used to smoke those. And Brian goes, of course you did. And I exactly. <laughs> I was like, no, but they were good. You remember they would leave that that clove flavor on your lips and you could just lick your yeah. lips. I mean, yeah. that was, do they even still sell those? Yes, they do. I'm going to get some. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that was, wow. <laughs> but yeah, the, that too of, I, oh, and now I'm going to get you smoking. So it, like, getting, luring you to the dark side, like, <laughs> Right, right. It's like yes, yes. Let the gay. And I'm not really gonna. I'm gonna hint at the the whole gay thing, but I'm not gonna completely go as explicit with that. So we'll have at least another oral fixation, you know, with the smoking, you know, engaged there. Like you see a lot of this. Like this is nothing new. Well, and also I found it interesting that the lesbian character is basically, she's not even just a straight up lesbian or straight up, you know, know she's not just a a lesbian. She is a, like this notoriously loose woman who constantly has people flowing in and out of her dorm room, you know, like a different guy, different girl, whatever. Someone's always in there. And so she's basically just a slut is how they, right, so exactly. you can't have loving, normal lesbian relationships if there is lesbian sex going on. It's because the woman is a slut. I don't know. Or, or no, or you can't just be a lesbian and just have casual sex. Like, well, right. <laughs> that, and to have that be acceptable. Like you have to have also have sex with guys. Yeah. No, that's how it has to work. Well, because they're, you know, that's, that's how I've been told all my life that that's how it works. Well, there, that comes from the whole mentality that you're not really a lesbian. You just haven't met the right guy yet. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, there's almost a good scene in this. There movie. is. When, when, yeah, when after the party, after uh, Alyssa Milano gets drugged and when she goes back to her room and uh, uh, the Sarah is the character's name, the uh, bisexual neighbor. 
actually comes in and it's just like, Hey, cause there's a moment earlier too, where after the scene where she's taking pictures, the seduction scene, she's like, Hey, I'm really sorry about that. And, and it seems like, Oh no, no, we're kind of cool with yeah. each other. And it's like, okay, that, that relationship seems. Yeah, okay. no, that's true. And, and, and then after she, you know, trips balls at the party and, and comes home and Sarah follows her back to her room and she's like, hey, I just wanted to check on you. And there's, al- again, almost this nice moment where in a better movie, the moral of the story would have been that, oh, well, these characters find each other, throw off all the guys around them. Who are all fucking yeah. terrible. Like, the, in fairness, the worst thing that Sarah's done is make her smoke a clove yeah. and take some naughty pictures of her that she also apologized for doing, but it was all kind of in the flow of the moment, blah, blah, blah. But, like, the movie should actually be this relationship between Sarah and Charlotte and how that is the connection that saves her, I, in my Except opinion. Except that's not wholesome and... It doesn't fit the narrative that she right. was apparently attempting to. No, I agree with you. But I, right. But if, if you're making a stroke flick, which is kind of what this movie is at the yes, end of the exactly. day. Why not do something? I mean, again, if you're taking this child star that like the 90s were chock full of shit, like having the Internet countdowns for mm-hmm. when like Christina Applegate was going to turn 18 and shit. And you know there was one for Alyssa Milano. It's like when and Lisa Bonet so take, did um, Angel Heart. Angel Heart, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's that kind of thing of like all these pervs who are like when she was 14 years old, like, oh, I bet she's going to be hot. And now here's this movie where you can see this child actress now all grown up with breast implants. And it's it's all played for titillation and it seems like it that's the wrong move if you've got a female even in the 1990s you know that you have a female director a female lead you could do something interesting with that um and 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 say something about that like the whole idea of her, of her being like grew up in a, a a convent and uh is virginal and all that stuff like you can deflate that ideal right like deflate the idea that being virginal somehow has power that the real power comes from embracing your own sexuality like i again i'm making a better movie than this is uh yes you are it's just frustrating (laughs) no (laughs) i don't maybe this woman is like i don't know the the this woman i I don't really know anything about her personally but maybe she's like a puritan or something who (laughs) i i just don't feel like any of the ideals but then why make a stroke movie I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. I cannot figure out what her intent was. I can't figure out what her message was. And that's why, like I said, I'm kind of embarrassed that this was made by a woman because I don't know any women who would make a movie. And I'm not saying, and I don't mean, oh, because it's got sex. Oh, because it's got boobs. If you listen to earlier in the show, I don't have an issue with that. I actually love boobs. I love sex. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not prudish. That's not the point. The point is that I, I think they did it wrong. I, I think that here, not only is it sending a weird, hard to discern message, and in some some places, like with some of the relationships, a flat out wrong message, but it is not even succeeding at being titillating. 
or being a stroke film. I don't think it works that way. I mean, I'm sitting right next to Brian and he was kind of as grossed out as I was. So it's like, it just, I think it fails on every level, at least for adults. I do yeah. remember watching it back in the day. Cause this is only the second time I've seen it, even though we actually have it on Blu-ray. Um, because when the Blu-ray came out, it, he got it for review. We, um, but I haven't, I hadn't watched it until just now. But I've seen it one other time, and I do remember it being sexier than this. So maybe it's that I'm older now, so the same things don't work, or you know, time period is different. I, I don't know, but now for me, it fails. Yeah, I had the same reaction to it, where like I remembered it being kind of sexy. Because, you know, when this movie came out, I was a 22-year-old guy. Well, and that's and, and that's you, the thing. We're all about the same age. And Alyssa Milano, I know, is, like, only, like, three, four months older than me. Yeah. And I mean, she right. was, like... We all kind of grew up together. Yeah. She was, like, 21, 22 when this filmed. She And she does not look 17 in this. I will say that, okay? But, and I... The first time I watched it recently, because I like for the show, I was highly disturbed and I could not stop thinking about this. Once I stopped, once I started thinking about it, I just couldn't stop about the whole fixation about her being 17 and turning 18. Oh, I know. It was it was just such an overdone thing. And I was like, why? And then all of a sudden, like not even five minutes later, it's like she's completely like. A, this you know completely nude whatever scene and she's in the middle of having you know whatever foreplay and sex and i just kind of thought that is that necessary like it's just making you uncomfortable when you think about that oh, she's supposed to be 17 and you know isn't it the i th think the vampire i mean who's at least twice her age. <laughs> and I mean, I'm fine with, I'm fine <laughs> with age differences. I've dated much older one at different points and dated young or whatever, but there is also a point of, and I mean, she's in college. Okay. But at the end of this film, by the time she actually turns 18, Oh, I've turned 18. Da, 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 you realize that played no part of it. Actually. So she could have just been 18 to no. begin with, and it wouldn't have been as weird. It yeah, was it's like, just, that was it, like, it, again, it's just, it's she's just 17. Like, Look at this, everyone. That's a really strange choice. And it's a really strange choice, again, for a female director to make. Yeah, exactly. We have, like, there are, like, porn sites and porn movies or, and even, like, phone sex, you know, where you can, like, talk to her. She's only, you know, she's 14 years old or whatever. And she's not really... The actress right. is of age, but the whole fantasy is that she's a schoolgirl or whatever, because that's, you know, whatever. But so there's that. But I don't I it. it oh, man. I just think it was such a strange, it's a strange. Yeah, it's you nailed that. The, the terminology. It is a strange choice. It stayed it, with me and distracted me throughout the entire film. It really just like and I was just like. I know you look at movies now from a different lens than you did 20 years ago, 20 plus, at the, you know, when this came out, 23. 
we all there are movies plenty of movies made from that time that you just don't you're like yeah we kind of feel as a society differently about things i think that's some maybe some of it but on the other hand not necessarily um i don't know yeah 17 was still under age exactly yeah but we were closer to that age so it didn't seem and i guess maybe that it didn't seem as so it didn't seem as strange but even like i started rewatching like some of it uh, uh, last night and i just was kind of like okay it what i was at least not as distracted but i was just like yeah why that was just so weird that they put that in there and it, just, it what was supposed to be titillating it really wasn't that titillating it was awkward, it was awkwardly done it goes to my theory that this whole thing is a metaphor for everybody to want to fuck grown up Alyssa Milano now. So let us via, via the vampiric horror mm-hmm. story, I'll allow you to deflower, you know, by proxy, uh, this underage girl now suddenly of age. Cause that's the whole movie is everybody's jockeying yes. in a fucker. As soon as the, the clock strikes yeah. 12, and she is a woman now instead of a child, I guess. Well, I don't it, know. It also, it's, I mean, I know 17 is technically, you're still a, you're still a minor, but you're not a 12 year old. You still are old enough to make adu- some adult decisions and you at least understand these different issues. Well, it's you know, not like at the stroke of midnight like on your right. 18th birthday, you suddenly have all the wisdom of the planet fall in your lap. And you're like, oh, I can do yeah. these things now. That's not how it works. You know, I mean, from the most teenagers are sexually active far before their 18th birthday. Um, e- even if just a little bit. I mean, some of us were good, but others of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, most of my friends were, were probably 16, 17, you know, when they started dabbling. It's, it's, um, you know, so by the time, what, I guess what I'm saying is why the, why this magical number? It makes no sense. Yeah. All I know is when I was, when I was in school, they taught us that if you tried to enter a woman under the age of 18, the hymen would cut the tip of your penis off like a cigar cutter. But... If a woman waited too long after the age of 18, she would get hymen poisoning. Wow. What is too long? Because. Uh, like oh, a God. month, <laughs> I think she had. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had to be on it. You had to make plans. Well, then. According to science. Yeah, well, that is science. So I guess I can't argue. Um. One thing I wanted to point out about the movie that was speaking of interesting choices and I was happy to see in the or, the orgy scene where she's like been drugged and whatever actual orgy or hallucination is going on there are actually guys in there grinding up on each other. It's not just lesbians like they are set yeah. to titillate. It's everybody and it's a racial mix. I was yeah. kinda I'm kinda I was kinda glad to see that. You usually don't see that. Also, there when the vampire was going after the victims here and there, honestly, yeah. he seemed more at home biting on the men than he did on yeah. the women. 
Yeah. Um, it, there were times when he was like, say, for instance, biting Rachel True's neck, where it was like he, mm-hmm. he it was painful for him to even get near her. It was kind of yeah. weird. Uh, but then, you know, get him on a guy and he was all over that shit. So, yeah, it but it seemed it didn't seem it was OK. Like I was, I was it like, was okay, I'm glad I was glad to see it, you know, yeah, know. It was an interesting little thing I noticed. I was like, huh, OK. And maybe here's another thing was Rachel a female True, director. Um, Rachel True as a friend. What the fuck was she doing when she I mean. Thanks a lot, friend. You know yeah. I was raised in a convent. You know I'm a virgin. You know I'm uncomfortable with all these situations. Up to this point, you have been my champion when other people have been coming at me. Yet for some reason tonight, you decide you want to take me to some fetish place. And then while we're there, hook me up with some guy I don't even know and tell yeah. me nothing's going to happen that I don't want to happen as you go off to a dark corner with your guy and I get almost raped. Yeah, exactly. How does that fit with her character at all? I just, I mean, with the Rachel True character, I just don't, th- that seemed to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. None of it matters. None matter. of it matters. Like nobody cared no, in didn't. this movie. Uh, they, yeah. they really, they didn't. It, it's um, like the whole, <laughs> when the Jennifer Tilly thing was happening and that's what Brian was waiting for the Jennifer Tilly moment. He is a, he loves him some Jennifer Tilly. So, as um, you he was just like, uh, he was like, okay, come on with it. Where is she? Where is she? You promised me Jennifer Tilly. And then, <laughs> like, she shows up and uh, then that whole thing takes like no time at all. And then it, when that scene's over, he goes, well, that, that was something. And I'm like, yeah, it was completely unnecessary is what it was. But <laughs> she was criminally underused. Oh, I know. That was a great overhead shot of her, though. You know, the one, the cameras looking down. Oh, when on they're her. grinding yeah. on the end. Uh, She's got yeah. her cleavage and her thighs all in the same shot. I think, I mean, I think Jennifer Tilly is incredibly hot. But Oh, definitely. But anyway, so it, it did have, I guess, that moment or two. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyone have uh, closing thoughts here? before we watch the stink of this thing off ourselves. Yeah. I kind of feel like I need a shower now. It, um, it's a fail for me. It just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't work as it's intended, at least for me. And it, that's tries, a shame. it tries so much of the same lighting and film look that like the night, like the, you know, the nineties th- erotic thrillers had, and it doesn't even get that right. Like not quite. Like it almost yeah. does, but not quite. And so it can't. I want to watch predatory lesbians. I'll go watch Basic Instinct. Yeah, man, there are plenty of other better predatory lesbians. <laughs> or bound. Oh, bound. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Jennifer Tilling. <laughs> right. Might, no, right. I, that might be what I'm watching tonight. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, Bound is hot. Bound is legit hot. Yeah, and oh, um, Gina Gershon. Uh-huh. 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 Anywho. <laughs> we'll talk later. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's let's grade this thing. Um, Vanessa, one out of five stars. Half stars, being loud, of course. What would you give Embrace of the Vampire? Um... <laughs> I'm going high and giving it a 2.5. <laughs> it just, wow. wow. 
I partly give it that out of okay, like I'm saying, I rewatch and it. I was uh, when I was less distracted from one thing. I was, could appreciate the '90s time capsule vibe. Yeah, and the nostalgia that that brought. And yeah, there's a, still a certain amount of that about this film because it's a trashy bad movie. It's not a very good one, but it's something trashy I'd throw on just to rewatch at some other point, maybe. All right. I, I, uh, like, I mean, I will watch bad movies sometimes. I admit it. But this one is actually a, a bad movie I will potentially rewatch. All right. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it will you turned code on me. Before I do, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, how often I eat Captain D's. It take like I, I I need to spend a few months forgetting how terrible that is, and then somebody will say like, "Hey, there's a Captain D's over here." I'm like, "Eh, all right." And then another, you know, seven years. I think everyone out there knows uh, what Captain after, D's is. We don't have them up here. It's like long it's time. A, it's a god awful fast food. <laughs> Oh, that's chain. right. I, I was like, why? I forgot what those are. I know I've lived someplace. Yeah, they have some yummy hush puppies, though. Mm. Hush puppies. They do. They do. That's yeah. how they get you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't really eat seafood, so I don't go to those kind of places. Plus, we don't have. I don't think we have them in New York. No, no, they're. But yeah, I knew, probably, I knew, they're probably I lived outlawed. In Cincinnati, we had them there. I lived in Alabama. We had them there. Oh, sure. You can't swing a cat in Alabama. <laughs> in Mobile, in cat Mobile we had him. Yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, all right, two and a half stars from Vanessa. Seems like I said, high. nostalgia Jamie. played part of a fa- played a factor. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a really awkward and bizarre lesbian not eating seafood joke that I'll skirt around. But um, Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Good Lord, Jamie. You see what I managed to do is I managed to skirt around it and still throw it out there. So it's, yeah. it's hanging yeah. in the ether. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, this movie, I will, ne- <laughs> I will never watch this film to, for it to put me in the mood because that will never be a thing that it does not work for that. However, I can see myself potentially throwing it in if I ever feel the need to go back to college, you know, or, um, or at this point I was, um, yeah, huh, college. Um, so I, um, you know, if I ever feel the need to revisit what it was like to live in one of those off-campus apartments with, you know, or have the neighbors who actually my upstairs neighbors at this time had their decor was, spitting image and so if I ever feel the need to feel that I can see myself tossing this in I do give it a couple points for having some not a couple points I do give it a some nod for having some boobs I then take them away because none of those brides in the beginning was Monica Bellucci so that made me sad and for that to be like, what was that, like 11th century, 14th century? When the hell did he say it was that yeah. all of those women had fake boobs? <laughs> I, was like, I thought not, the same thing. That's not accurate. I mean, not that. It was a time of gel implants. <laughs> 
Anyway, long and short of it. Seize at re- least. I mean, if I'm being real, this gets like a 1.5. It's not good, but um, it has just enough nostalgia there to make me not hate it. All right. Uh, I, yeah, I think I'm on board with that. I think I think a star and a half feels right. I think, like Vanessa, I I, I can't get over the 17 thing. It it drive it it haunts me as I watch this movie, and there's something so gross about it. And the more I think about it, the grosser yeah. it gets. Uh, and and also, uh, if you if you remember this being kind of hot, which I did before <laughs> watching it again, because I, I went into it thinking like I remember like you know the the uh, the scene with uh, Sarah being being kind of steamy. And watching it now, it's just like, ugh, all of this just feels so distasteful. Um, so, yeah, if you remember it being kind of hot, let it live there. Remember it being kind of hot. Don't don't dispel that memory for yourself. Um, <laughs> you might need it one lonely night. <laughs> so, <laughs> Has anyone seen the remake? No. How yeah, I saw it. Uh, worse than this one, I think. Worse? Yeah. I mean, okay, story wise, I could, or, you know, whatever. I mean, but did it have the, was it, oh, man, okay. <laughs> I just find that hard to, I can't. Oh, it, I knew it was going to be cute. worse. That's why I haven't seen it. I'll tell you, it, in, if memory serves, I don't recall her turning 18 being a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that got updated. It's just everything about it is is boring. It, it's a really oh. dull movie. And. It doesn't even have the the um, sort sort of curiosity factor of like oh it's Alyssa Milano, it's like right. oh here's some actress you've never heard of, right? So okay. you know, I mean, that's kind of what have I expected, right? It, I mean, it does what it needs to do. It's like oh here's a vampire story. It it's a little more of a story than this one is. I, I will say. Uh, but they do like, oh, well, we've got to have the lesbian scene and we've got to have, you know, some sexiness afoot, but I don't think it's as raw as this one in terms of just like every opportunity we have to open a shirt, we're going to do it. Like, you know, one of the opening scenes of this movie is her like telling her boyfriend to turn around so she can get dressed, but the camera don't turn around, baby. We see it all. And well, it, and I actually said that when we were watching. I thought it was interesting. I'm like, it's funny. She's telling him to turn around, yet we get side boob and we get ass. Yeah. <laughs> and I still go back to what Jamie said earlier about, like, she was raised in a convent or whatever. And if she's so virginal or whatever, she doesn't have underwear or a bra on, like, all, all these different times, like, <laughs> where she would be covered up with undergarments. Yeah. Yeah. She runs hot. Yeah. I mean, I wear underwear and bras, and I wasn't raised in a convent. As do I. So. All right. Well, uh, let's put. <laughs> anyway. I'm sure put... everyone is happy to know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there, there are people who keep up with these things. Yeah, let's, uh, let's put this one to bed. Put a stake in the heart of Embrace of the Vampire. Please. Hey. Please. And uh, we will be right back uh, to close out the show. (laughs) 
my life fades. The vision dims. All that remains are memories. I remember a time of chaos. Ruined dreams. Wasted land. But most of all, I remember the podcasts. The man we called Witch. To understand who he was, you have to go back to another time. A time when the doomsday clock ticked ever closer to Armageddon. You can still find The Witch versus The Doomsday Clock Podcast by searching for WYCH on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Memories may decline, but movies live forever. Folks! Thanks again for listening, <laughs> yeah. if you would. Uh, hop, hop over to the <laughs> Facebook group, uh, which is <laughs> facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash uh, Divide the Podcast. And uh, what else uh, do we have going on? Uh, Vanessa, where can people get more of you? I am also on the VD clinic um, on Legion. Um, we are getting ready to record episode 12. It's almost been a year for us um, of the show. Congratulations. And yeah. So, um, yeah, we're getting ready to do Liquid Sky. So hmm. I'm excited about that. Oh, I went down a rabbit hole <laughs> with that movie. <laughs> I'm now like wearing 80s like blue mascara again. It's, it's bold. <laughs> it's bold. Neon. A lot of neon. It has gone into my head. It is crazy. All right. Uh, so makeup tips uh, from the VD clinic coming soon. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm over there. So, uh, Jamie, where can people find more of you? Um, you know what I've been doing this spring? I've been wearing blue eyeliner. I don't know. That's just weird. I don't know where that came from. I I don't feel like I it answered this, the question at all. But I've been doing that. <laughs> been doing this weird, or actually cool. It's very cool pastel sort of thing with my eye makeup for spring, and mm-hmm. it's fun. Um, you can find me every Wednesday on the Married with Children podcast. Speaking of the Christina Applegate countdown. Uh, we just passed the episode where she turned 18 <laughs> in real life. So now it's safe for the men on our discussion page to talk about her outfits without people coming at them. So that apparently was like a big deal. I didn't even admit, I mean, I didn't care, but you know, they were just like, they were all like waiting. Um, it's like the nineties all over again. Uh, so that is it. That uh, new episodes of that drop every Wednesday. We just recorded a new episode of evil episodes where we talk about the um, the first half of season one of the series Monsters, and we discuss this season of The Walking Dead. So that should be an interesting show. And we're about to record an episode of Cinema Beef with Mike White from the Projection Booth, where we're doing two Jim Brown movies. Cool. And that'll be recording tomorrow night. Oh, and there will be a new Colossal Collection coming out this week. So that's where we are. And if you haven't listened to it, the 
the episode Q of ABC's of Hidden Horror dropped a couple weeks ago. So that is out there floating around. Pick that up and check it out. Pick it up and check it out indeed. And uh, I'm with Jamie. I enjoyed The Quiet Ones as well. Yay! Thank you. All right. Uh, uh, fans of The Quiet Ones all around, I think. <laughs> um if you want to hear anything more out of me, hop over to legionpodcasts.com. Uh, and there you can find me doing like a uh, duck and a boat come correct. And uh, we just started the Westworld series, recorded the first episode of that. And uh, Hero Hero Go Show, new episode of that coming soon. Uh, also with Duncan. Been talking to him far too much lately. And uh, a whole brand new show coming in May. So get ready for that. So, um, yeah. That's it. Otherwise, we'll see you uh, next month for episode 126, where we're going to be talking about uh, the clown-rific horror film Terrifier and a film of your choosing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you've you've done your worst, and we are still standing. <laughs> Don't talk to them like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Sometimes, 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 sometimes. Devour.